warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 351. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian, I'm a leftover, and I'm alone. We have no Jake this week. I'm alone as far as leftovers are concerned. But I do have guests this week. Joe Stark, welcome back. Hey, happy to be here. When the, when's the last time you recorded a fucking Stark cast? <laughs> uh, June, I think. Oh, wow. It's been wow. on a hiatus. I'm still I'm still paying that monthly rent on the server to have it up though, so it's not dead yet. It's just on hiatus. Yeah, yeah. You are you going through Libsyn? Is that where you're coming? Uh, no, I go through Zencast, which is run out of New Zealand. Oh no, shit. Yeah, the the guy who runs that place uh, he gives really good customer service, and so like I'll stick around and because he's helped me out quite a bit in the past. That's fucking cool. You got a personal relationship with the. Uh New Zealander that runs them <laughs> yeah, a little bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're also not alone. We are joined by a Jake this week, but it's Jacob Harmon. Welcome back, Jacob Harmon. It is good to be back. I'm going to roll a charisma check real quick. Uh, I have one beer in, so I'm giving myself a plus two. I rolled a 13, plus two is a 15, so I think we're in for a, uh, a good night. Oh no, now you're putting all <laughs> putting all this pressure on me. Oh, I've got I've got to put the pressure on my shoulders, Brian. I've I got, got you. I've got to perform. I feel like I feel like I'm having sex with with uh, somebody I've been dating for a while and like tonight's the night where I've got to you know, we're going to fuck and I really got to perform cuz like this could be the deal breaker. You know what I mean? This could be the deal uh, is if I'm terrible in the sack on the first night. I mean, she she could be done. She could be like, oh, fuck, this is what I'm in for? This is not long-term. I can't fuck this guy long-term. I'm fucking out. I'm fucking out. 
Did I? I really dove into that hypothetical. Let's <laughs> <laughs> say the D twenty I mean, predicted you to have a good D game. So. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess a fifteen's all right when it comes to the. Oh man, guard that pussy, guys! Guard that pussy. <laughs> That's all I got. So, what do you guys think about that whole guard that pussy thing, huh? Uh, it's incredible. It's incredible that it happened because for so many people in America, Chris Evans is Captain America, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, just the persona you can put on oh, him without he's... giving it much thought. And so you think Captain America having a meme of guard that pussy meme. Oh my God. <laughs> it's just, it's, I mean, you were totally right when you said like that it's some total like douche bro behavior, but it's also fucking hilarious. It, no, I'm not I'm da- conflicted. It's totally fucking hilarious. It's totally fucking hilarious. And like the fact that Tristan said something like Chris Evans has like anxiety and I'm calling bullshit on that. I'm totally calling bullshit on that. I think it's just I honestly think like sometimes I feel like after watching the boys lately, are you guys watching the boys? Yeah. No, not yet. Oh, my God. I feel like, Joe, after after watching the boys, I feel like even like in our real world, this stuff might be bleeding over. Does Chris Evans really have anxiety or is that just like some is that just like people at Marvel Studios or like his PR people saying like, well, you should have anxiety so you can relate to more people. Like, can we believe this anymore? How, how can you have anxiety with a cock that huge? What is he- I know. Doesn't that give you all the confidence in the world? <laughs> <laughs> I can only so, imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna, like it's I'm like everybody here. I have no idea what the fuck you guys are talking about with guard that pussy. Oh my god! Well, I'm like way out of the loop. Is it too much to break down? And and, and you know, it's well. Basically, what happened is Chris Evans accidentally uploaded some photos on Instagram for a very short time, and people got screenshots of them. One of them was a uh, picture of his enormous penis. And another one was a picture of him and underneath it, it was, it said in a font, in the douchiest font I've ever seen, guard that pussy. That's fucking dope. (laughs) Get it, Cap. Look, that dude didn't get laid for like, what, 70 years he was frozen in ice? Nah, we're not talking, let's let's leave Captain America out of this. This is Chris fucking Evans. You know that dude's fucking drowning in pussy. Oh my god. Oh my god. I don't, dude, I don't know. I, I, I Joe, I'm thinking it, it's so douchey. <laughs> it's just so fucking douchey. But like, and this, this, granted, this is coming from someone who has not seen the photos, but like, he's, he's charming enough that I think he could pull it off. Here, see, <laughs> you sound like everyone else out there, Harmon. Everybody I else first, out there defending this guy. <laughs> defending. Is oh, like, let's come to the defense of the guy with the huge dick. We've got it. We've got it. Also, how is guard that pussy in any way? Charm- how is that charming? charming? Oh, my God. Like, like, I just those three like to picture Chris Evans. I just like to picture Chris Evans just like looking at a girl. And he's just like or like sending her that picture because they got to be at some level of, you know, if it's anybody else but Chris Evans. Saying no, guard that good looking as Chris Evans. See, and that I think it's bullshit that the that 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 the sexy people get away with this fucking shit. That the good looking Chris Evans guys get away with this shit. And, oh, I've got anxiety. I'm just like you. I'm just now, like what if, you. What if? What if I was to accidentally upload an Instagram photo of me with like my kilt hanging down a little low? 
and it just says like guard thine pussy <laughs> could i pull that off you're done you're fucking done <laughs> oh, oh that that's gonna show up on the leftover army page i, I can just guard thine <laughs> oh no i can totally Your yeah facebook is getting raided <laughs> either either rob forrest is gonna make this one or fucking uh johannes is gonna draw it it's gonna happen now Oh yeah. <laughs> mm. Guard thy <thine> pussy. <laughs> oh my god. Thanks for having me on the show, Brian. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, you missed out on a whole fu- that was a whole fucking thing. It happened like 2 weeks ago where this whole shit went down. It was insane. I'm not on social media, so I don't see any of this shit. Yeah, you're lucky. It's good not to be on social media. It's good it to is. get away from that shit. Yeah. Um, are you guys fans? Did you guys grow up being big fans of Kraft macaroni and cheese? Absolutely. That nuclear orange color is perfect. <laughs> Did you, what about, what about you, Joe? Oh yeah. Yeah, dude. That's one of the most nostalgic foods I can think of. Listen to this shit, man. Canada is getting a pumpkin spice flavored Kraft macaroni and cheese. Only in Canada though. <laughs> That's an abomination. It's an abomination that I can't buy something. Thank you. Try. Thank you. You can say like, oh, it won't. The the taste won't. It won't. No. Yeah. It it may it may taste fucked up. But on the flip side, I honestly think it could taste amazing. Yeah, it's a bridge too far for me. But but I'll cheer you guys on. I can't imagine having that texture in my mouth and that flavor at the same time. Are you talking about Chris Evans again? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> guard that mouth too. <laughs> Harmon, we're in trouble if he likes beards. <laughs> oh man. Oh fucking Chris Evans. Jesus Christ. What the fuck? And he gets away with it. Harmon's all like, yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. Chris Evans. I mean, if Chris Evans would give me some pumpkin spice mac and cheese, like, I hate it when people. I say, wouldn't have to guard my mouth. I hate it when people say pumpkin. Pumpkin. Yeah, that's bullshit. It's pumpkin. It's pumpkin. Yeah, it's a fucked up word. It sounds like you want to bang your family, but yeah, it's called pumpkin. It's not pumpkin. Pumpkin. Pumpkin spice. Get the fuck out of here, Grandma, with that shit. <laughs> Fucking bitch. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you guys like any pumpkin beers? No, nah, I'm not into. I've, I've, I'm not into like all the different flavored beers. I guess maybe the apple ones are okay. I've never. I don't think I've ever had pumpkin flavored beer. There's some not good ones either. out there. There's some real shitty ones too. Yeah, pumpkin ale. Pumpkin ale. I like pumpkin pie and pumpkin bread. Oh God, I love pumpkin pie. But not, not I, with, I, pumpkin macaroni and cheese—that's that's that's a bridge too far for me. I I, could, I couldn't do that. Pumpkin weird—that'd be like drinking like a soda that tastes like mashed potatoes and gravy. Remember when they had that weird shit back in the nineties? I remember it was when like they Jones had, soda or something. They had a bacon infused fucking soda. Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> See, and that's how I feel about the pumpkin macaroni and cheese. Yeah, but like cheese goes well with some certain like with certain sweets. You know, it really does. I mean, if we take a quick history lesson with Harmon here, uh, I did real, uh, I did learn 
earlier this week that there is a historic recipe for a like a sweet lasagna that has cinnamon and apples and walnuts in it. So I mean, it's got cinnamon's not that dissimilar from a pumpkin spice, and that's paired with pasta back in like the fucking fourteen hundreds. There you go. So this is just a modern version. There you go, Joe. You fucking see, and the lasagna you, thing actually sounds kind of good because that's almost like a baklava or something. Mm. Joe, you just I wonder so, what that would be with the pasta. You're so close-minded when it comes to your macaroni <laughs> and cheese. You're so, you know, well, look you're, at the through discussion. I'm I'm open to lasagna. You're so, you're just so traditional. Close-minded. Yeah, yeah. You know, macaroni and cheese should be with macaroni and only cheese. You and sound, sex should be missionary. Exactly. <laughs> it should be between a man and a woman. Listen to you. Over there. <laughs> You're going to turn it into that, okay? Dude, it totally, dude, I, I see right through you. You're so fucking transparent, Joe. <laughs> Brian's line of reasoning is you don't like macaroni with yeah. pumpkin. You don't like the gays. And I don't, and I don't like fucking, I don't like having bigots on my fucking podcast, Joe. <laughs> so a couple weeks ago, um, I think it was an episode June was on. You were talking about like different types of meats people had eaten. I did. <laughs> was that was that again? Well, was I talking about Chris Evans? <laughs> uh, that that's quite a, a good meat from what I've heard. But I have eaten camel. Oh yeah, we were talking about different meat. We were talking about the uh, we're we we're talking about the veal. You've eaten camel. Mm. What the fuck are you eating camel for? It was delicious. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you ate camel? Eggs, goats. It was a hell of a night. You camel. Who the fuck is cooking up camel? Who do you know that's making camel? It was a fundraiser for you a Boy s- Scout camp. They had a game dinner. Oh, God. It was delicious. Oh, God. It was stuffed in bread, and any meat stuffed in bread is pretty good, including Chris Evans. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking Camel. You should smoke camels. You don't fucking eat camels. Oh well, I'm just picturing the camel somewhere in America being slaughtered for this meal. Like, like I raise money for the cow, the scouts. Camel somewhere cows. there's a camel farm out there. What, did they ask you one hump or two? Is that what? <laughs> oh, the two humps. That's like prime rib. That's extra. Uh, yeah, that's extra like What's the difference between the camels with the one hump and the two hump? Well, one the one's got two fucking humps. Huh? Well, 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 you're both talking at the same time. I want to, what, what, what was said? <laughs> I said that the one with two humps is easier to ride because you just sit in the middle of it. No, the one with one hump is a fun one to ride. I'll tell you that much. Oh my God. <laughs> I'll tell you. Oh man. I found it was a, it was a, it was a day of self discovery. The day that I fucking rode the one hump camel. I'll tell you that much. I learned a lot about myself that day. <laughs> I also learned that Chris Evans would tear me wide open. So, oh god! I, I did you guys see Ranker.com's nineteen weird celebrity facts that are true? No, <laughs> I did not. These are so weird. I was, some of these just kind of blew me away. What was the one? And this one, it blew me away, but it totally makes sense. Christopher Walken used to work as a lion tamer. When Christopher Walken was 16 years old, he worked several odd jobs, one of which was a lion tamer in a circus. 
Wow. That somehow I can picture this. I can too. That is so weird. And then what's the other one? What's the other one that I learned? Um, Simon Cowell, before he did like American Idol and what's the other one? America's Got Talent. He was the, uh, he was the one who cleaned the axe on the set of The Shining. Whoa, that's, that's cool. That was his job to clean the axe on in the set of The Shining. I guess he worked like uh, in props or something. It's a pretty neat job to have. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking Especially it. for a film as iconic as The Shining. Yeah, these I don't know, some of these facts. James Lipton used to be a pimp? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Ice-T used to be a pimp also? <laughs> yeah, Ice-T was a real pimp, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do you remember, did you ever see the episode of uh, Conan O'Brien, Late Night with Conan O'Brien? Remember Pimpbot? <laughs> no, I never no. saw that. Oh God! Oh my! Yeah, fucking Conan O'Brien had a had a a robot that would come out that was a pimp, and he'd be like, "Where's my money, bitch?" <laughs> 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 but he came out on the same episode. They had fucking iced tea on once. <laughs> fucking great. Oh, uh, and here's here's one last one that I'll read. Doctor Ruth is a trained sniper. <laughs> I did know that. Um, <laughs> she was a sniper in the Israeli, Israeli army. army right? Yeah. 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 Oh, fu- yeah, that makes sense. That's fucking crazy. That's fucking badass. Here's one. Uh, here's the final one. Chris Evans has a huge penis. That's a, okay. All right. I'm done with that. All right. It's not, it's not landing anymore. I'm done with the whole Chris Evans guard that pussy thing. It's not landing. Unlike Chris Evans, who lands like a tripod. Ah, Jesus. I thought we were done and the Joe breaks it back. (laughs) (laughs) Guard thine whispering eye. Guard thine vertical smile. Oh, man. First time I heard it called vertical smile was on SNL and I about lost my shit. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, we got a new contest. We got a new contest, everybody. Um, digital codes for a new movie that just came out. It is called, uh, I have not seen it. I could not tell you if it's any good, but, um, I'm hoping that this is, uh, this is one that our listeners will be interested in. Uh, the new contest is for a digital code for Rogue Warfare, Death of a Nation. It's, uh, streaming now on Redbox on Demand. And uh, it's uh, Will Yun Lee and Steve Lang return for the final chapter in an action-packed trilogy, Rogue Warfare, Death of a Nation. So I guess you got to watch the first two. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but uh, Redbox on demand, I uh, actually used to rent a, a bunch of movies from them because they would give you points and then you could use those points for other free rentals. They've got a good thing going on over there at Redbox. Uh, anyway, when a deadly bomb is set to detonate the team must race against time to disarm it and defeat their enemy uh stream rogue warfare death of a nation instantly on your smart tv or favorite device with the red box app today it's rated r it comes from paramount pictures and uh stephen lang and uh william lee after rescuing daniel from the terrorist black mask organization the team uncovers plans for a deadly bomb set to detonate in 36 hours that threatens world order with no time to recover, Daniel must throw his life back on the line as he and his elite team of soldiers race against time to find the bomb and defeat their enemy once and for all. Outnumbered and overmatched, each soldier must find their inner strength and skill to overcome insurmountable odds. So we're giving away five digital copies of this film. This contest is for U.S. only. And 
Uh, all you have to do to get entered into the contest is I'm going to send out a tweet and a Facebook post about the movie and send an email titled Rogue Warfare to comments at popcultureleftovers.com with a screenshot of the retweet or the Facebook share, and you will be entered to win a copy of this movie, a digital code for this movie, and be able to watch it. So if you've watched the first two, this is fucking perfect for you. So definitely, definitely uh, enter the contest. I, please enter the contest, people. We need people to enter the contest. If we want more contests, enter these, all the contests. That way we can get more contests uh, contests out there for people. But I uh, wanted to let everybody know that uh, um, when we ran the King of Island um uh, the King of Staten Island contest. I was sent a King of Staten Island swag box. Man, this thing came with some really cool shit. I'm not gonna lie. It came with a King of Staten Island hoodie, a water bottle, a hat, some <laughs> temporary tattoos from the film. These things last up to like two weeks. And then it came with a copy of the movie. Uh, it came with an art print too, which was really awesome. I'll take a, I'll take a close up picture of that art print and put it on the Facebook page and on Twitter. It's a really fucking cool art print. But it came with, um, it came with the movie. And I wanted to let everybody know that I reached out to Brandon Olson from last week who didn't win Psycho. And I said, dude, I feel really bad that you were the closest one to win, but you didn't win. You were the first loser. And so I ended up sending him my digital code for the King of Staten Island. So Brandon Olson did win something and he won it, we won it from me personally because I felt like a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't, because he didn't win a copy of Psycho. And he was very happy and thrilled. Well, congratulations to Brandon. And that was really nice of you to do, Brian. Yeah, I know. I just felt like a complete asshole. I, so I'm not going to be picking any more first losers because then I'll just be like sending shit out of my personal collection. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, man. Fuck. You guys ready for Good Pop, Bad Pop? Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh fuck, I'm not because I don't even have the I don't even have the bumpers loaded. That's how fucked up this week is. Jake isn't here, and I'm just fucking around talking about. I mean, what have we talked about? Just stupid ass shit this week. It's just been ridiculous. The show's off the fucking rails, and it's stupid. Here we go. Good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop. Bad Pop! Mm. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, real quick, I just want to let everybody know, sometimes we talk about things on Good Pop, Bad Pop, and then I don't follow up, and people don't know, are you still watching it? And it's like, yeah. I should let people know that I did finish um, Pen15 Season 2, but it looks like if you go to IMDb, it's a 14-episode season. So they released seven, and according to IMDb, they don't have a release date for the next seven episodes, but it looks like it'll release sometime in 2021. I thought it was just a seven episode season and it looks like it's going to fucking be a 14 episode season. And we got the first part, uh, now. So I loved it. I give it a Tupperware. I thought it was fucking hilarious. I love this show. Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle are so funny 
and season two is fucking fantastic. And then I finished um, Challenger, the final flight. Have either of you started the the Challenger docu series on Netflix? It's a four part docu series. No, not yet. No, I haven't started either. It's highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. It's um, it's eye opening. It's I think it does two things. It shows how fucking cocky and um, careless NASA was before this, you know, flight before this shuttle launch. And then it's also, I think a really beautiful tribute to the seven people that lost their lives on the challenger that day in uh, 1986. And I've always been super interested in this and, but I haven't like gone out of my way to watch any documentaries and I, you know, I've seen some, you know, datelines or, you know, 2020 specials or whatever the fuck back in the day. But I think this does just a spectacular job of telling the, the whole story and then also like helping you understand like who these people were and like what they meant to their families and what a fucking huge loss this was for the space program and the families and people that were close to everyone involved. I Tupperware it. It's so good. Watch it on Netflix. Challenger, the final flight. Um, and then I want to talk real quick. I watched a movie today called Alone. And it's about a recently widowed traveler is kidnapped by a cold-blooded killer only to escape into the wilderness where she is forced to battle against the elements as her pursuer closes in on her. It's directed by John Hyams. He was a producer on Z Nation. And uh, I found out one of the producers is Yardley Smith, who, if you know that name, she voices Lisa Simpson on The Simpsons. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I believe she was also in the film Maximum Overdrive. And she was also in Fox's series, Herman's Head. Maximum Overdrive, that was the Stephen King directed movie, right? Yes, he was yeah. very high on cocaine. Yeah. It's a great film. <laughs> it's not a great film. It's, 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 it's a, it's a great bad film. Yes. <laughs> uh, Alone stars Jules Wilcox and, uh, Mark Menchaca, he is just known in the credits as man. So he's the cold-blooded killer that's out for her. And what's weird is that this is produced by Yardley Smith, who voices Lisa Simpson. And the cold-blooded killer, played by Mark Menchaca, looks like fucking uh, Ned Flanders come to life. It's so weird. <laughs> It is so weird. Um, but yeah, you've got a woman here who's basically being, um, stalked and hounded by this, um, by this guy who, who ends up, um, you know, knocking her out, drugging her, knocking her out. And she uh, wakes up, uh, you know, in a basement trapped in there. And we don't know what he's going to do. Probably rape her and all this other fucking fucked up shit. But, um, you find out things about him and then she ends up escaping and then having to go through the wilderness and fend for herself and try to get away from this guy. Um, I mean, a lot of this, we've seen elements of this in other movies and things like that, but like it does, it is fun and not fun. <laughs> yeah. It's fun watching. It is fun. Fuck it. It is a, it's a fucked up fun movie to watch because you end up hating the villain so much. You want to see him get his 
you want you want to see him get his. I think this movie does a fantastic job of just showing you what a piece of shit that this guy is, and you really want to see him get it in the end. So um, I'll give this one a high tasted. I, I really enjoyed it. I think people should watch it. It's out now on video on demand. Look for some streaming service to probably pick this one up. Uh, in the next few months, I would imagine it would either go to Shutter or Netflix or something like that. So we'll see what happens there. But it's called Alone. And if you want to watch it, you can watch it right now on video on demand. Um, Utopia. Joe, I know you watched how many episodes of Utopia on Amazon did you watch? I've watched the first two. I've watched the first two and then I watched maybe 15 minutes into episode three. It's about a group of young adults who meet online get a hold of a cult underground graphic novel, which not only pins them as a target of a shadowy deep state organization, but also burdens them with the dangerous task of saving the world. Uh, this is an Amazon series that's adapted by Gillian Flynn from the 2013 British original, which I had no idea about before this came out. And then everybody started talking about the, the British original. I think people... That I want to get your thoughts on this, Joe, but I think like this has like the really, um, I don't know, difficult task of like living up to the British original because there are people that love it. Yeah, I'd never heard of of a different version of it. So, I mean, this was this was all new to me. Yeah. What and, and this one stars. Uh, we got Jessica Roth here from uh, was that Happy Death Day one and two. She's in this one. Uh, Sasha Lane. Uh, Rain Wilson, uh, John Cusack is in this. Desmond Borges from, uh, You're the Worst on FX is in this one. Um, Dan Bird, uh, pretty, pretty good cast here. Um, so in this, basically what you have is, uh, there's these people that are obsessed with this, with this comic book called, uh, Dystopia. And, uh, Apparently, uh, these, uh, this young couple moves into their grandfather's house and finds some art prints in there and find out that it's the sequel of Utopia, uh, of Dystopia and it's called Utopia and they're gonna sell it at this, uh, you know, convention, like this Comic Con, this uh, local convention and they're gonna sell it to the highest bidder. And they know that a bunch of fanboys and fangirls are going to be there, so they're going to sell it. So that's like we we get this whole setup at this convention. Joe, Joe, watching that convention, did it make you miss C two E two? Yeah, yeah, I've been picking up on that a lot in stuff I watch. Like if it's if it's a newer show that's coming out and there's people doing stuff that it's just not in the norm to do right now, it makes me really nostalgic for going and being around people. Totally. As much as I've professed to hating people in the past. Uh, it's, oh man, I mean, yeah, it did make me miss it. Well, there's this story in the comic book about a young girl who her father's a scientist and, and, um, he is, uh, taken in by, uh, this, uh, kind of kidnapped by the rabbit and, and, um, he's forced to make these, uh, like diseases and things. Is that, is that the story, Joe? Is that yeah. how like the comp- Yeah, he's like a brilliant scientist and they leverage his daughter yeah. to make him create all these like weaponized viruses and stuff. Well, there's like there's so you've got fans that just like 
you know, read the comic for the comic and the story, but then you've got like these other fans that see that there's something in this comic that's a little bit more like it actually kind of can, it can predict like different viruses and things like that, that are, you know, actually, you know, uh, it predicted Ebola, it predicted all these different viruses that, um, that we've seen in the world. And they're these conspiracy theorists. So you've got two different groups of fans that are in love with this fucking book and they all meet at this convention and, um, I don't know. I guess, I mean, it's the first episode. I don't know how much into spoilers you want to get with this one, Joe, but I do want to get your overall thoughts on it and like your rating on this one. Um, what did you think about, uh, Utopia? Yeah, just right off the bat for the first two episodes, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. Uh, this, this really piqued my interest. I thought it was, what's funny. I, I wrote down in my notes that it's original story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That did not entirely be the case, but I mean, it was an original story to me. I'd, I'd never heard of this before, um, much less a, a concept like this. That that you know, it's it's this medium that's a comic book, and, it, and it's a very like independent comic book. Like people don't even know who the writer and the artist were, and so there's this huge cult following around it. And and then with this new book coming out, all these people scrambling to get it, but then there's also this shattery organization that doesn't want the book to be released. And they want to silence anybody who's even so much as seen a page of it. And as this, as this first episode progresses and then you see more in the second episode, there's lots of moments of just real what the fuck moments in this show where stuff happens that is just absolutely brutal. And I mean, just some really fucked up scenes in this. And, but I thought it was really, really intriguing and it, it was well acted. I, I liked, um, that, you know, these people were all friends from the internet and they were all meeting for the first time and they'd never actually seen each other. And, and, you know, one of them is not even an adult and in the way that that all shakes down. And, and I mean, this show really had me on the edge of my seat and I would have watched more of it today. I is, I assume that, is it like eight episodes and it all dropped at once? Yeah, they all dropped at once. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the only thing that kept me from watching more of it is that I was watching it with my wife last night. And so I didn't want to carry on without her. But but otherwise, I probably would have finished it today. I, like it was good enough to where I would sit and binge this. Yeah, um, I'm. I'll, here's the thing: I'm going to give it a Tupperware as well. And like, I can't speak for the 2013 British original because I have not seen it. So I'm sure that there are people that are watching this and they're saying, "Oh, it, it's not as good as the original." I don't have that background with the original, so I couldn't tell you. All I'm I'm just watching this for the very first time and it's fucking fascinating. It's fucking fascinating and it's brutal. Like there's some brutal shit that happens in this. I it's like part of me wants to go into like spoilers for episode one. Um but then I also just want people to to kind of watch this on their own. Um <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, it's it's worth not spoiling. I I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Just because I mean, there's there's more than one what the fuck moment in episode one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will never look at bleach and salt the same. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, and and we really haven't gotten into too much of John Cusack's character. Just a little bit. Rain Wilson has shown up for you know just a, a moment in this one and. I, I don't even, at this point, it's not even like their show. It's, it's everybody else that's been involved. There's 
there are deaths that happen in this one that are just shocking. Like you think, don't get, I guess, you know, kind of like Game of Thrones, don't get too attached to certain characters because they could die. Um, but I am, I'm digging it, man. I'm here for the all eight episodes. I can't wait to finish this one. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. I Tupperware this one. Fuck Harmon. It's really good. You should, you should get on this one. It's really good. It's kind of fucked up though, that something that deals with like viruses and pandemics and stuff is coming out right now. <laughs> it's like probably the worst timing for this. They probably should have waited. <laughs> I've got to say though, like of, of the shows that you've talked about recently, this one sounds really intriguing. Um, between the, the Comic Con setting and using the, the comic book medium, I think that's a really neat idea. Yeah, it, it basically like, fiction and reality kind of like, blend together, is what, like it, it, yeah. Fiction, what you think is fiction is, is sometimes reality. And it's, 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 pretty it's a pretty amazing concept it's brutal um i like all the actors that are involved in this one i think they did great job in the casting department getting all these people together it's really fucking good um console wars this dropped on cbs all access and in 1990 sega a fledgling arcade company assembled a team of misfits to take on the greatest video game company in the world nintendo it was a once in a lifetime, no holds, no holds barred conflict that pit brother against brother, kids against grownups, Sonic against Mario, and uniquely American capitalism against centuries old Japanese tradition. For the first time ever, the men and women who fought on the front lines for Sega and Nintendo discussed this battle that defined a generation. So this is a documentary about the uh, 1990s console wars between Nintendo and Sega in the 16-bit era. And it was based on the uh, director's 2014 book. And this became the first original film for CBS All Access. It's directed by Jonah Tulis and Blake J. Harris. Harmon, I know you saw this. I, Dude, I fucking... Joe, you saw this as well? No, I didn't see this one. Harmon, I know you watched this. I grew up during this. I remember, I remember this. I don't know, like, um, I know you're, you're a little bit younger than me and I know you've played both systems. Uh, but man, I, 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 I grew up watching this. I, and I had both systems. Um, what did you think about this? First off, I just want to say that Sega does what Nintendo don't. Because <laughs> I grew up in a Sega household because we were cool. Uh, my first console that I ever remember playing was a Genesis. And the first, like, new console that I got as a kid was a Sega Pico, which was, like, a educational version of the Genesis. Um, I remember watching these commercials, especially when Sony came into the game and started doing the, the Crash Bandicoot yelling at Nintendo's headquarters, like, the Attitude Era of gaming is something I reminisce about frequently. It's just such a unique time period in gaming history, and this documentary covers it so well. For me, this is a total Tupperware. If you have any interest in gaming, this is a must-watch. Yeah, um, I mean, basically, like, Sega was, I remember when the Sega came out, and it came, you know, like, I, we all loved the graphics, I thought the graphics were fucking incredible, but like, the games weren't the best at the time. I, 
I mean, I think like one of the best games that was on the system at the time. I think they had like, you know, like the Shinobi games. I remember they had Altered Beast, of course, which came with the system. And, uh, you could get Golden Axe and some of the games that they had, but like they really didn't have anything that could compete with Nintendo. And so basically they brought in, what was the guy's name that they brought in the, from the, the toy company? He was the guy who like, you know, gave us He-Man and gave us fucking like he revived Barbie and made Barbie dominant. Like he was just like this innovator, this guy that was just great at fucking marketing toys. I can't remember his name. Oh man, name. it was Bill, was it Bill something? Kalinsky or something? I can't Kalinsky, remember. Kalinsky, yeah. Was it Kalinsky? Like that. Yeah. And they brought him in and he basically said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it, but I want to be in complete control and Sega of America, you know, I'm going to have them, we're going to, we're going to hit these bullet points. And one of the bullet points is we're going to go after Nintendo. And, um, before he even gave his points, like Sega of Japan agreed to, to let him do whatever he wanted. And then when he, he presented it to Sega of Japan, they were just kind of like appalled at like his approach at going after Nintendo and like taking over the market in America. And, uh, but they said, yeah, we promised you that we'd let you do it. And so they did it. And I mean, <laughs> one of the things that they wanted to do was go after Mario and create their own character. And they talked about how they created the, the, the Sonic character, how much faster he was. They even made up something called blast processing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, it's not even something within the system. They don't have a blast processor and they just completely made it up and people took it as if it was real. It was fact. But, um, this is just fascinating. I haven't read the book. I, I know people that have talked about the book. Um, um, I have friends that have read the book. I just have never read the book. And, um, for not reading the book, I think this documentary does a great job of kind of like showing you like how they, how the, how Nintendo and Sega went after each other, uh, down to the point where people that were working for Nintendo were flipping sides and going over to Sega. And then it gets into like the, you know, back when, uh, Congress was going after, um, Senator Lieberman, Lieberman was going after video games for being violent and how it was affecting like the youth of America and stuff like that. And, um, I, 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 this was fucking fast. Joe, this is fascinating. You got to watch this one. Yeah. I remember that time also, you know, I mean, I was born in 80 and I remember going shopping for clothes with my mom and she'd take me to JC Penny in Cedar Rapids. And for the longest time, they just had a Sega Genesis console set up that, you know, I had like a fixed controller on an arm and you could just stand there in the aisle and play Sonic and then eventually Sonic 2 for like as long as you wanted. Yeah. And, and man, that was my favorite part about going shopping on that side of town <laughs> was that, <laughs> that I knew when she was off shopping with my sister, I'd be able to just hang out over there and play Sonic for a while. And then, and then eventually I got my own system and, uh, man, Sonic, Sonic 2, Sonic 3, Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. the X-Men game, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Man, I, I had a blast with the Sega Genesis back in the day. Well, they talked about how like Nintendo was running Monopoly and would basically kind of like threaten retailers that if they carried any other video game console that they would stop carrying their product in those stores. So like it's like Walmart wouldn't carry the Sega Genesis at first. 
they one were... of the things I found really interesting was how Sega combated that yeah. by opening like a free Sega arcade across the street from Walmart's headquarters. Yeah, in Bentonville. That was fucking genius. In Bentonville, Arkansas, which I have, if you've, ne- <laughs> if you've never, been, I think it was Bentonville, Arkansas. I've been there. I've actually been outside of driven past the the Walmart headquarters. There, it's fucking huge. <laughs> It's, I can imagine. It's oh. huge. But anyway, yeah, they, they fucking had, and like, they were talking about how like the Walmart employees were actually on their breaks going over there and playing Sega. <laughs> nice. Oh man. Yeah. I had a Sega Genesis. I had a Sega CD. I, I dropped off of it when they kept, when they did the 32 acts. I was like, fuck this. This is like, this is like, it's like turning into a, like a fucking like uh Voltron here where I've got to get like all the, it's like turning you into know, like a, if, if you assemble everything, the 32 X, the Sega CD and the Genesis, it actually has a name. Do you know what that is called? Uh, Megazord? I have no idea. <laughs> it is referred to as the Tower of Power. Oh my god. That, that's also, <laughs> funny enough, what they call Chris Evans now. So. <laughs> no, and it was, uh, it was Tom Kalinske, not Bill. Tom Kalinske. There was a, a, Bill was the guy who worked from Nintendo, who after he felt Nintendo didn't value his opinion, so then he switched yeah. over to work with Sega. And he was the one that that Sega sent to Congress, mm-hmm. uh, which was kind of also a dig at Nintendo because he used to be there. And he used his internal Nintendo knowledge kind of against them. It was really fascinating just how down and dirty these people were. It's great. Yeah. And like it kind of gets into like the fall of Sega. And it, a lot of it really, in my opinion, is the fact that like Sega of Japan stopped listening to Tom Kalinske. And not doing what he wanted to do. It felt like he still was pumping out great ideas <laughs> and they fucked up. For sure. They fucked up. I had, I had no idea that Silicon Graphics was going to work with Sega. Yeah. They had talked at all. Cause that would have changed how Everything. video games work. Every I mean, We wouldn't have gotten the N64 the way we did. Right. It would have changed everything. I think, I, I, yeah, who knows what Sega would have been. They, they might still have a console to this day if that would have happened. It's true. It's crazy. And then, well, and then, and then Sony changed the game and they get into that as well. But man, it's, it's, it's called console wars. And if you don't have CBS all access, I would recommend at least getting like the seven day trial just to watch this one. That's what I did. I, I signed up for the trial today and I watched it today. And I mean, for the free trial, you cannot go wrong. This is such a good movie. Oh, you should watch lower decks, the star Trek, uh, Adult animated. That's the animated one, right? Yeah, yeah. Neil and uh, Neil and uh, Stephen Farshad are doing a smorgish smorgus Borg podcast where they talk about lower decks. (laughs) I'll have to check it out. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Uh, also, I would like to add that if anyone is interested in this type of history, uh, there is a YouTube series called The Gaming Historian. Who does sometimes they're 15 minutes videos, sometimes they're over an hour long documentaries that go more in depth about certain games and like the, the whole controversy with, with Night Trap when that was released. It's, if you're into that type of stuff, definitely check out that YouTube channel as well. I played Night Trap. I had a Sega CD and I, I didn't own it, but I rented it from the, from the uh, video store and I played Night Trap. Dana Plato 
from Different Strokes fame is in Night Trap. They f- I remember during, I believe it was during the actual congressional hearings um, with Senator Lieberman, uh, Nintendo said that a game like Night Trap would never appear on a Nintendo console. Yeah. And uh, you can buy Night Trap on the Nintendo Switch now. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It's so fun. You know what system I always wanted when I was a kid, but it was just too expensive, and I there's no way I could ever talk my parents in again. It was like 500 bucks. It was the Neo Geo. Oh, the only way the I could, Neo Geo is one hell of a console, dude. Back in the day, you well, you could play the stand-up arcade cabinet. They had it at like my local Aladdin's Castle, and I would play it there. But man, it was like, and the games were expensive. They were like a hundred bucks a piece or something ridiculous. It was crazy. The cartridges were huge. It came with like the huge joysticks. But man, it was like arcade quality graphics. The Neo Geo. Nothing compared to the the Neo Geo. I believe it was the Neo Geo AVS, and it was phenomenal yeah but it suffered the same fate as the uh the pan i think it was panasonic 3do 3do so expensive that it priced out the majority of consumers yeah so the 3do i remember that fucking pile of garbage man it fucking they they made a a a, a zelda game on that one that was so terrible Oh, it's fucking horrible. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> you should watch. The, I think it was an episode of the Angry Video Game Nerd. I think he talks about that. 3DO fucking Link game. Zelda game. You, I, you played a Zelda, didn't you? I think you did. And it was almost like a visual novel type deal. Yeah. And it was the worst animation. I mean, it was, well, it was bad. Yeah. I had a TurboGrafx-16. As well, which I, from what I remember, it wasn't true 16-bit. They used two 8-bit processors and called it 16-bit. But I don't know. That's just what I remember reading in like a Game Pro or some shit. Funny enough, because that's what Sega did with the Saturn. They used two 16-bit to say it was 32. They used two 16-bit? No shit. Nope. I'll tell you, and it was the fucking uh, Dreamcast. It was very hard to program for, which is one of the reasons why it failed so so poorly as it did. The fucking Dreamcast was a great system. The Dreamcast is fantastic. Oh, it still man. Has a, I mean, Crazy Taxi, that is the way to play that game. So good. And what was the, oh, the fucking boxing game it was so much fun. I played <laughs> out, I played that fucking thing for hours. They had that Rumble Bumble guy, and I fucking, oh man, I love that game. <laughs> um, I watched, uh, Sneakerheads on Netflix. Um, Devin, a former Sneakerhead, turned stay-at-home dad finds himself deep in the hole after falling for one of uh for one of old friend bobby's crazy schemes to get his money back the at odds duo goes on the hunt for the most elusive kicks in the game and this is a comedy uh six episodes each episode's like 23 25 minutes <laughs> it starts Alan Maldonado as Devin. He's from Straight Outta Compton. He was also in uh, Black Jesus on uh, Adult Swim, if you remember that. Um, Andrew Bachelor, uh, journalist Corchado. She was in the uh, episode of Little America on Apple TV Plus called The Jaguar, and it's a great fucking episode if you haven't seen it. I fucking love that episode. Um, but... Uh, it's six episodes. I watched all of them this morning. I watched the whole fucking, the whole thing. Joe, I know you watched the first episode. Did you not like this one? No, it just didn't do it for me. The overall plot line for the, the first season that they set up in that first episode, 
of the, oh, I've spent a lot of money doing something that my wife specifically told me not to do. And now I have to hide this from her and pretend I didn't do it. And I just, I don't, that story just didn't do anything for me. And so the, just watching the first episode, it wasn't enough to hook me, but I didn't think anything about it. Like, you know, like acting production, any of that was bad. So like, I, I wouldn't give it a toss it because I feel like I'm not even the right audience for it to begin with. So, so for me, just because it, it, the, the plot didn't do enough to hook me, I'd just give it a low taste it. Oh man, I give it a Tupperware. I fucking loved this. <laughs> nice. I fucking well, loved it. hit for you. I woke up, it was the first thing I started watching when I woke up and I blazed through all six episodes. Could not stop watching it. And it was like, you know, the, these guys get the clues to find these, um, they call them the most elusive kicks in the game. They're these Nike Zeros. And um, they get these clues and they're trying to find this shoe. That way they can get this guy's money back that he used on, on a bad scheme from Bobby. And uh, so his wife won't be upset at him and they can still go on their family vacation and all this shit. And it was just, I thought it was so funny. I had so much fun. I loved episode three was probably my favorite where it was... They had, they, they, they were trying to get these shoes from actor Mark Wahlberg. And it's supposed to be the Mark Wahlberg that we know from the movies. But they didn't cast Mark Wahlberg. He didn't do the show. They cast Mark L. Wahlberg, who he's not very known, but I remember watching him on a, he's like a game show host and he's a producer on other things and they cast him as Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> so he, this guy's name is really Mark L. Wahlberg. That's his real name, but they cast him and he looks just like himself, but they, he dresses kind of like Mark Wahlberg in this and he's supposed to be the Mark Wahlberg. And they end up playing like a game of tennis. And if they win, they'll get the shoes. And like, if they've got like other, you know, famous people from Boston there, they had Paul Pierce. And I think, what's his name? Michael Rappaport, who does a podcast. He's an actor. I think that's his name. I could be wrong, but I fucking, I loved that episode. I thought it was hilarious. Um, I, I, I really, I loved this show. I thought it was so funny. And I could not stop watching. I just burned through six episodes this morning. I hope we get a season two. I fucking loved it. <laughs> nice. Do you know anybody who collects shoes like that? I, I do know people that are like big into collecting shoes. I know that Sean from the League of Geeks, he considers himself a sneakerhead. And a lot of his art is like, you know, um, uh, like when you look at some of his art, like he, he puts like famous Nikes or f- famous shoes on some of his, uh, on his characters. I've got his, um, print of Teen Wolf. You know, he put, he was in, uh, Michael J. Fox's Teen Wolf played basketball in that first movie. And he did like a crossover where he's wearing, wearing the, uh, the air, the Nike Air Mags from Back to the Future 2 on Teen Wolf. Oh, and nice. so I know Sean, that's pretty cool. I don't know like what his collection looks like, but I know he's like, he considers himself a sneaker head, but nice. Yeah. My brother-in-law collects them and flips them and stuff. The yeah. last time I was over at, at their place, like my sister was like, it, it here's, here's his shoe collection. And he had the shoes in there that were like the shrink wrapped plastic to where it's like, Oh yeah, those for sure are never getting worn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, I mean, that's, that's his thing. So. 
Yeah. I don't know. I fucking loved it, man. I fucking burned through it. Jesus Christ, Netflix. I'm telling you. It's like, yeah, it's like one episode would finish and then you know how Netflix gives you like three seconds before the next episode starts? Yeah. I was just, I was on to the next one. I just kept watching. (laughs) I loved it. (laughs) Harmon, I know you've got some good pop, bad pop stuff that you wanted to go over. I certainly do. Uh, are you feeling Degrassi first or are you feeling some books? Oh, shit. Going, are we going, uh, Canadian kids or are we going LeVar Burton? Ah, that was a, uh, reading rainbow reference. The, cha- uh, the choice is yours and yours alone. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the books. Go with the books. All right. So, uh, this year I've been focusing on reading more than anything else. Um, I haven't read as much as I wanted to. I've only gotten, I think, 11 books done this year. Um, but I've got three. Well, I've got two single books and then one trilogy that I read that I wanted to talk about. Uh, the first book is Redwall, which is the first book in the Redwall saga. It was published in 1986, and it was written by Brian Jakes. This is such a fun, fun hey real quick real, real quick from last week fun fact we have a listener whose first name is brian and their middle name is jacob fun fact that's pretty cool that's a cool kid yeah and the writer of that book is brian jakes fun fact <laughs> so that that's a joke that ties in with last week if you didn't listen to last week it makes no sense but if you did you're fucking laughing your ass off right now fucking hysterical <laughs> anyway moving on go ahead talk about this book <laughs> So this is a epic fantasy novel. There's not really any like magic in this, um, but it's about these woodland creatures, uh, primarily mice, who make up the Brotherhood of Redwall Abbey. And there is this evil rat in his horde, and his name is Clooney the Scourge. And he is going to take over the abbey and make it Clooney's castle. And he's got this army of rats and ferrets and stouts. And this little mouse who is a apprentice brother, he's not in the uh, the abbey yet. His name is uh, Matthias. And he wants to find this legendary sword of Martin the Warrior and slay this this evil rat. And it's about his journey and the characters that he meets, and it's just a fantastic story. Um, if it had been published today, they would probably call it a middle-grade book. It is definitely marketed more towards, uh, like, a, an adolescent age, you know, like that that 10 to 12. But it it's great for anyone of any age. Um, there is, I mean, there's death, there's violence, there's you know, some adult language. And for a, a quote, children's book... I mean, it's over 300 pages long. It's it's a fantastic read, and it is a total Tupperware. Very cool. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I never read Mouse Guard, but it kind of, I but it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. It's very similar to Mouse Guard. Uh, I I got to meet the creator of Mouse Guard at my first C two E two. And mouse, if you enjoy Mouse Guard, you will love Redwall. And if you've read Redwall before, I totally recommend checking out Mouse Guard because it's a fantastic comic book series. Did you see the the footage from the Mouse Guard movie that Fox was making? I am still so upset that that got canceled because there was so much potential in that trailer. Did you see? Oh God, the trailer was amazing. It looked so good. It was just ten minutes of like demo footage and. <laughs> 
I mean, you've got mice flying on birds, and one of them's got a sword, and yeah. one's got an axe, and they're just going at it. It is so good. Yeah, I saw the mouse sword fight, and I was just like, this is fucking incredible. Why are we not getting this? I, I really hope that someday it gets revived, because it's just, there's so much potential from that 10 minutes of demo footage. It looked really good. Um, what other books you got? So sticking with fantasy, I want to talk about the Dragonlance Chronicles trilogy. These three books, which are Dragons of Autumn Twilight, Dragons of Winter Night, and Dragons of Spring Dawning, are the first three books in the Dragonlance saga. All told, there's like 156 books published in the Dragonlance series. What the fuck? Um, Thankfully, most of them are like not required reading. Um, there's really six that are like that, the core six. Uh, but these three are the first in the series. Uh, they were written by Tracy Hickman and Margaret Weiss. And I believe the first one was published in 1984. Uh, these are licensed Dungeons and Dragons fiction. Uh, so the, it takes place in the world of Kryn and from D&D second edition through third edition, you could buy supplements to play in this world and play as these races uh there was a race in this world called the kender which is similar to a halfling uh but they've got a couple different odd traits um and this whole i mean this trilogy is a tupperware of tupperwares uh this is high fantasy with a couple early elements of what is now known as the the grimdark subgenre uh because there is some pretty pretty heavy themes and it deals with this group of adventurers who, when you first meet them, they're meeting up at a tavern for the first time in about a decade. And the there's rumors that the dragons have returned to the world. And there's also rumors that the old gods are returning after over 100 years of not being present in the world. And the adventures that this group goes on. And if you like traditional fantasy, this is a must-read series. Oh, wow. So like, okay. So it's basically, it, it, I don't know. It, I'm trying to, I'm trying to compare it to something. Is it, would, would it, would it be comparable at all to like Lord of the Rings or anything like that? To a degree. To um, a degree. I mean, you are dealing with a group of adventurers who are going on a grand adventure and throughout the adventure, the group splits up into different teams and then the teams get back together and then go into other subgroups. And it is, I mean, it is, it's, since it's based in the D&D world, the magic system works the way it does in D&D, where a wizard casts a spell, and then when he's out of spells, he has to sleep. He's exhausted. It just drains them of their energy, and they need to take their time and read their spell book every day. Uh, so if you're familiar with Dungeons & Dragons at all, this book is a must-read. And if you're into fantasy at all, this is a required reading, in my opinion. Joe, have you read any of these? I read a lot of different books. I've been racking my brain trying to remember if it was Dragonlance stuff, but I read a lot of different like genres of fantasy books when I was in high school. Basically, anything I could find in the high school library that was fantasy, I was reading it. I can't remember specifically if the stuff I read was Dragonlance. And when we were saying some of the names of the, the races and stuff like that, it, it wasn't um, popping for me. I, I remember reading something called the Elven Trilogy when I was in high school, but that might have been might have been like birthright or something like that instead it's way too many bong hits 
between <laughs> high school <laughs> now that I don't remember the specifics of it. But I've been a, a fantasy fan my entire life. So, I mean, this stuff sounds awesome. I've just eaten it up. <laughs> Dude, it sounds great. It is a lot of fun. Um, there is, I mean, this is a slight spoiler for the first book, but there is a very elderly dragon who has a PTSD episode. I mean, that's, that's a relatively serious topic to deal with. And the way it turns out is just brutal. Uh, this is definitely, uh, not a, not a children's book. This is definitely something that, you know, teens and up I would recommend for. It's like, uh, like if John Rambo was a dragon. 100%. <laughs> oh man, that first Rambo movie. Chris Blood. <laughs> oh yeah. First Blood's incredible. Yeah, I love First Blood. Oh, what was it? Oh, God. I always love the part where they're they're looking at his knife in the police station, and the guy just, like, cuts a piece of copy paper with it like it's nothing. Oh, yeah. Fucking, oh. That's always been the standard for when I sharpen knives. I love, like, is this Rambo sharp? <laughs> I love fucking Brian Dennehy as a villain. Oh, he's such a prick in that. I always thought, and I've said it on the podcast before, but my God, if if they would have made a Daredevil in the 90s, he would have been the perfect kingpin. Oh yeah. Ooh, yeah. I totally agree. God damn. He was so good. I, I know they had that. Didn't they have Daredevil show up in one of the episodes of, uh, fucking, uh, The Incredible Hulk? With Bill Bixby? I do not remember this. <laughs> I, I don't remember that either. I think, I think he, I think Daredevil showed up. I know Thor showed up. Do you remember an 80s movie that had Brian Dennehy in it where there was some kid in it where there was like some like, underground boxing or something going on and he fights brian dennehy in it and brian dennehy there's a part where he puts his head down yes the kid punches the top of i his just head, watched this hand. one i literally just watched this one probably within the uh, <laughs> within the last year it's called it's called it's with cuba gooding jr and it's called gladiator it's before yes. the russell crowe movie came and you could watch it free on sony's crackle and I watched it last year. I, it came out in 92 and I fucking loved that movie when it came out. And I've watched that movie many times. And the lead actor in that, that was his only, he's a character actor. That's the only time he's ever, uh, was the leading man in a film. And I fucking loved yeah, you Gladiator. See him and you're like, Oh, it's that guy. But it's like, who, who is that guy? Yeah. Yeah. And, and dude, I've never forgotten that move of like, if someone takes a swing, you put your head down. No yeah. idea if it works in real life. Yeah, because uh, they're, they're bare knuckle boxing and Brian Denny, he puts his head down. And he says, top of the head, hardest part of the body. And it fucks yeah. up his hands. Yeah. I love that. I loved Gladiator when I was a fucking kid. I love that movie. So good. Oh I haven't seen it, but I'm going to have to check this out. Oh yeah, man. It's like, it's like, it, and it did not perform well in the box office. It was basically, it was a kind of a rip off of, uh, of Rocky in a lot of ways. And those kind of sports movies just weren't playing in the 90s anymore. It just wasn't working. But I fucking loved it. I fucking ate that movie up. Yeah, it was just something I caught on, like, Cinemax or Showtime or something when I was a kid. Oh, man. And then, oh, I think fucking Warrant did uh, We Will Rock You. A version of We Will Rock You in I, that movie. I need to listen to that right now. <laughs> <laughs> it totally sounds. <laughs> it's totally, it's like a fucking glam metal version of fucking We Will Rock You. It's, yeah, it was ridiculous. And I remember fucking almost buying the soundtrack at Sam Goody for that fucking song. I, I'm ashamed, <laughs> I'm ashamed to admit it. 
Do you guys, do you guys tell me if you remember this? You might be too, you might be too young to remember this. Do you remember when Rowdy Roddy Piper and Jesse Ventura starred in a pilot? I think it only aired once on TV. I watched it because I was a huge fan of wrestling, but it was called Tag Team. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. I have not heard of this, but I'm already in. You can watch it. You can watch it on fucking YouTube if you want to. I think it's called Tag Team. It's with Rowdy Roddy Piper and Jesse Ventura. And they were wrestlers. And then they like lose their jobs or some shit. They get kicked out of wrestling, professional wrestling. And then they just, I think they go to, they become police officers or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I fucking loved it. I don't know why I thought of that. Anyway, oh fuck! What was your? Well, you had one more book, Harmon. I've got one more book, and this one's a, a bit of a departure from the others. This is actually a Western book. Uh, it is called The Broken Gun, and it is written by uh, who is often called America's author Louis L'Amour. Uh, it was published in 1966, and it's pretty interesting for a Western novel. Uh, it's really more of a novella. It's like less than 200 pages. Uh, the story is set 90 years after the Toomey brothers, all of their men, and 4,000 head of cattle disappear. And there is a Western author named Dan Sheridan who in the 60s tries to solve this mystery. And he ends up going through this Western adventure that's pretty similar to the stories that he writes. Uh, he meets up with an old war buddy from the Korean War. There's crooked ranchers. And there's a plot to kill anyone that stands in their way. Uh, this is just a really fun short book. Uh, I would give it a high taste it. And if you're interested in Westerns at all, I think this is a pretty good place to start because it's not a huge investment. I mean, this is something you could easily read in a weekend. And, but it was a lot of fun. You know what I'm calling bullshit on? Cowboy burgers. You ever eaten a, <laughs> <laughs> the ones with like barbecue sauce and like, Onion rings and shit on them. Thank you. Thank you. They taste delicious though. But, but how is that? Uh, do you think cowboys were eating burgers with onion rings on them? <laughs> uh, I watched a documentary called Blazing Saddles and there was no hamburgers or cheeseburgers oh, in that God. film. I love Blazing Saddles, but my God, but, yeah, there's nobody's eating barbecue sauce burgers with onion rings on them. <laughs> That's it. I think this is a fucking Hardy's construct. Yeah, it's it's gotta be. This is a Carl's <laughs> Jr. fucking creation. Cowboys weren't eating fucking burgers with fucking onion when, petals when, on them and shit. Whenever I think of that burger, I think of the rodeo burger that Burger King had, and then I think of the ad campaign from Small Soldiers that went with it, with the one character going, "You can't handle the rodeo burger." <laughs> That was a great fucking movie. My favorite. It was. My favorite commercials were the fucking Pace Picante commercials. (laughs) New York. New York. (laughs) And then my other favorite commercial was the, was the Freedom Rock commercial. (laughs) You remember Freedom Rock? I don't think I remember that one. It was okay. Uh, I don't. It was like back in the day you could buy it on cassette or CD and they took like all these fucking like, you know, 60s and 70s fucking rock songs and it's a compilation. You could get them all on one CD or or eight cassettes or however oh. fuck. And it was called <laughs> it was Freedom from Rock. like Time Life magazine or something. Yeah, and they showed yeah. these two fucking like old hippies looking like Cheech and Chong and shit and they were like, <laughs> "Hey man, is that Freedom Rock?" Yeah. We'll turn, and he goes, we'll turn it up, man. 
I, if that would have been made in like that, that album would have been made in 2000, it would have been now that's what I call freedom. Volume yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh God. That's got that stupid fucking logo on it. But yeah, freedom, freedom rock. You should watch the fucking commercial on YouTube. It's a fucking, it's a beautiful time capsule. <laughs> <laughs> hey, to jump back to Louis Lamore real quick. Um, Harmon, did you ever read the walking drum? It's like one of the Louis Lamore books where it's not a Western. I actually, so we have a like free library at work where people can leave books that they just don't want anymore. And maybe a month ago, I got a book club edition of The Walking Drum. I haven't read it yet, but I'm really excited to. Please hit me up after after you finish it because I really want to know what you think of it. I thought that that book was so fantastic. It's it's like this kid whose dad was like a famous pirate and then his dad goes missing and he goes on this giant adventure to try and find his dad. And it, it takes place in like like the 1400s or so, I don't know. It takes place in like the Middle Ages. And it's a really really fantastic read. In in like all Louis L'Amour books, it's really thin and you can just blast through the thing in no time and yeah, good stuff. I actually picked up another Louis Lamore book. I, I can't think of the name of it right now, but it was another one from the, the library at work. And it's about a Canadian who is, I think he's a Vietnam era vet and he ends up like fighting Soviet spies in Canada. And it sounds fucking bonkers. Yeah, that um, sounds awesome. <laughs> and I haven't read that one yet either, but I mean, I got it for free. So no matter what, it's a win win. Yeah. Speaking of uh, little kids that go out looking for missing parents, let's talk about Enola Holmes. Did you watch this, Joe? I did. Yeah, two hours Netflix movie when Enola Holmes, Sherlock's teen sister, discovers her mother missing. She sets off to find her, becoming a super sleuth in her own right as she outwits her famous brother and unravels a dangerous conspiracy around a mysterious young lord. This is based on the first book in the series of the same name by Nancy Springer. Um, it's uh, directed by Harry Bradbeer from a screenplay by Jack Thorne. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things stars as the uh, title character Enola Holmes. She's also a producer on this one. And this one stars uh, also stars Henry Cavill and uh, Sam Claflin. Sam Claflin, was, what was he in? He was in that fucking movie where him and that girl fucking got lost at sea what was that called adrift i don't know they fucking got lost at sea and then he 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 died i think it's based on a true story anyway (laughs) yeah it's just i giggled there because it's bringing back apparently funny memories i guess i don't know um uh, enola holmes joe what did you think about enola holmes yeah i'm I'm not gonna lie i went into this movie like with the expectation that I wasn't going to like it just based off of her fourth wall breaks in the trailer, because just seeing it as this like historical piece that's set, you know, in the, in the time where, you know, the Sherlock Holmes stories take place and then add into it the, the fourth wall breaks. And, but like within 20 minutes, this, this movie had, had won me over and I thought it was really, really charming. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a little bit longer than it needed to be. I think this movie would be a little bit more enjoyable if they, you know, trimmed it down closer to 90 minutes than, than, than the two hours. I think there is some fat in there that, that could go, but you know, then again, you'd be losing a little bit of character development that we get for Enola along the way. So, um, 
I've kind of been going back and forth all afternoon if I want to Tupperware this or, or high taste it. But I mean, either of those are, are shocking to me because I expected it to be a toss it going into it. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I, I'd give this a Tupperware and with the, you know, maybe that's a little bit of, it's got a little bit extra shine on it for me just because I didn't expect to like it. But, but yeah, I, I found this movie really, really charming. Yeah, um, I expected to hate this one, and uh, I didn't like it. So, yeah, I guess it kind of lived up to, <laughs> to what it You didn't like it at all? <laughs> I didn't really care, man. I didn't really care. I, I, I don't know. It's like, why Why is – I don't know. I didn't, Her mom's – I didn't I, – why do I care if this girl's mom's missing? I don't give a fuck, you know? <laughs> oh, but if she'd have been looking for sneakers. Yeah. I'm telling you, yeah. If she would have been on the hunt for some fucking rare sneakers, we found that out. Oh my god, I would have been. No, that, that was just a stupid show that made me laugh. This was like, why, why is she fucking breaking the fourth wall like she's fucking Deadpool? Like you're, you're not Zach Morris or Ferris Bueller. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. Just fucking dumb. Get the fuck out of here. And Nola Holmes. I wonder what kids would end up thinking of it though, because I think this is more of a target audience for, it totally for the is. kids, young adult, rather than, you know, the, the guys in their forties. Oh yeah. Well, it worked for you though. You fucking loved it. It's funny because my wife comes back into our room and I'm, I'm laying in bed washing my iPod and I'm like, I can't believe how charming this is. <laughs> it's like 20 minutes before she heard me talking shit on it. Being like, well, here we go to watch this. Yeah, I didn't care for it. I thought it was, I'll give it a low taste and I just didn't really, I don't know. I just didn't really care about it. I don't know. I don't, I don't really, if, if a sequel comes out, I will not be watching it. Um, <laughs> and I wonder if they are setting it up. To, to be a bit of a series because I saw in the credits that it was it was based on some sort of literature so it I is. guess she's a character that exists yeah this is the this was based on the first book in the series okay yeah so they're, they're, they're definitely setting it up I, I bet it'll do it'll do huge it'll do gangbusters on Netflix it was like last time like it was number one today is what they said it was number one number one on Netflix right now I love how like, I love how on Netflix like recently like you know, Cobra Kai had been number one and like everybody's just finding out about Cobra Kai. It was like, I was in on this shit like two fucking years ago. Harmon, I know you were watching this shit like two years ago too. Day mother fucking one. Right. For me with Cobra Kai. <laughs> mm-hmm. And people are acting like Cobra Kai is all brand new. It's crazy. You throw it on Netflix and it just breathes new life into the fucking franchise. So like, I thought it, it does go to show just how much of a powerhouse Netflix really is. It does. It does. Ain't, that ain't no lie, dude. That ain't no lie. But I'm still not going to back off. Season two was kind of bullshit. I love the Johnny and Daniel stuff in season two, but the kids fucking sucked in my opinion in season two. And I'm not backing off of that. That fucking mall fight was bullshit. That was stupid as fuck. And it's not just the I mall think the, fight. The school fight was worse than the mall fight. No, they're both crap. They're both garbage. I didn't like it. Just the kids stuff I thought was so well done in the first season. And by the second season, it was just all the kids stuff just felt like it was a little too over the top. Oh, it was way over the top for sure. And not over top, over the top in a good way. Like the, the fucking Sylvester Stallone movie. <laughs> no, that's a masterpiece of film. Oh my god. The little kid in that movie was the voice of Daniel in the Transformers animated movie. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> Brian with the fun facts. I'm, I'm Mr. Fun Fact Brian this episode. <laughs> I'm just full of fun facts this episode. Um, I don't know why I talked like that. That was dumb. Um, yeah, Enola Holmes. Fuck off. Let's <laughs> stand by. That was a charming movie. Her name spelled backwards is alone, and I might be alone in my opinion on this movie. <laughs> I just, I don't know, man. It just didn't do it for me. There's so much going on in it too, and so yeah, many different, it, a lot of different storylines. It would have better without the fourth wall breaks. Also, oh. there were just there were too many of those. <laughs> yeah, she's like, time out. It's like fuck off, Zach Morris. Get the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Was there a lot of the fourth wall breaking? A lot, like a lot, like like she's like in the middle of dialogue with like another character, and like something unexpected happens, and she'll like turn and like look right down the barrel of the camera, and like oh, I was not expecting that. I quite a whiffle in it. I think she's a, a a lovely human being. I think she's very funny and charming in all of her fucking interviews. I love it when she raps. I think it's so funny. I think she's very. I just honestly, I'm not gonna lie here. I don't think she's the best actor, in my opinion. Millie Bobby Brown. I don't think like when Stranger Things got done and she was like like a huge fucking thing. Everybody was like, "Oh my god, Millie Bobby Brown, fucking eleven. Oh my god, I was just like, oh, the girl who fucking like waffles and her nose would bleed. That's all she did. That's in my opinion. She'd hold her fucking hand up and her nose would bleed and she ate waffles. I didn't really, I didn't really see the fucking how. I didn't see the amazing actor. Everybody else saw. I'm alone here. Again, I'm alone. Maybe as she gets older, she'll, you know, she'll grow into herself and become a a great actress. I hope she does because I think she has the potential to. Sure, sure. And I didn't care for the girl that played Nancy either in Stranger Things. And then I watched that Yes, God, Yes movie and I was like, that part was made for her. She's really fucking good in that movie. That girl. I thought she was really fucking fantastic in that movie. But I'm just, I don't know. I don't hate Millie Bobby Brown. I just don't, I don't know. She, I just haven't seen, like even in the Godzilla movie, she didn't do anything for me. I think she, just because her character was so fucking cool in Stranger Things, I think people got a fucking hard on for her. Kind of fucked up that I said that about a child. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> It's a cinephile hard on. It's, I think it's more I, non-threatening. It's I, yeah, I think Enola Holmes is good for like, yeah, if you're like, if you're a little girl or a girl, you might like it. You might like Enola Holmes, you know? I bet, I bet Joe, when he's not watching Enola Holmes, is watching like the Babysitter Club. The Babysitter's Club. You watching that shit too, Joe? Enola Holmes was a fantastic, strong female character in this who comes into her own power. And it was a delightful journey. To take along with her. Oh my god, you sound like such a pussy right now. (laughs) (laughs) Guard that Joe. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Hey, like I said, man, going into it, I expected to have the reaction that you did with it. Like, and and that, but that's also kind of what made me like the movie more is that it turned me. I feel like if something that I'm going to go into with a preconceived notion of I'm not going to like this and then you know, end up being like, eh, fuck it, I really like this. Like, it, that makes it just that much better to me. You, you never know. Maybe a month from now, I'm going to think back to this conversation and be like, well, that's on the internet forever. <laughs> but right now, having watched this movie this morning, I found it really charming. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm glad you enjoyed it. 
Am I really though? I mean, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> a month from now, I'll look back and be like, "Man, I'm really upset that I was said that I was glad that Joe enjoyed this movie." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I'm gonna go back to my original statement that Joe's a giant fucking pussy for liking this. <laughs> <laughs> What's it feel? What, how does it feel to be a huge pusshole who likes Enola Holmes, Joe? <laughs> you know, I think for my second viewing, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a nice glass of wine. I'm gonna draw a bubble bath. What do you think, Joe? What do you think? You think you think Harmon would like this one? You know, he might. I mean, he's Harmon's got a, a heart in his chest. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'm just like still thinking about Brian talking about uh the girl who played Nancy in Stranger Things. Yeah. Cuz like my my mind's in other places with Natalia Dyer right now. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Creepy as fuck. What is <laughs> Wow. Have you seen Yes God Yes? I lost you. I have not seen Yes God. Yes. You're back. You got to watch that one. It's really good. I thought she was fantastic. She was fantastic in that one. She was really good. Um, I oh Harmon, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna move it on to you. I know you got one more thing that you wanted to talk about. Oh boy, I have one more Canadian thing to talk about. Yeah, bacon, Canadian bacon. Is it really bacon? It's from the same animal, but it's like nobody does bacon. Like America does bacon. Canadian bacon, do you want to put it on a pizza? Yes. Would you mix that Canadian bacon on that pizza, said pizza, with pineapple? No for pineapple, but yes for sauerkraut. Oh, I hate sauerkraut. What the fuck is wrong with you, Joe? Yeah. Sauerkraut on pizza? Yeah. You want to pull that thread. <laughs> no. Okay, so when I was in high school, I worked at a Paul Revere's Pizza and I would cook pizzas whenever people would order a sauerkraut and ham pizza. It would just turn my stomach that I'd have to pull out this container out of the cooler and reach into that Ugh. mess of soggy sauerkraut, squeeze all the juice out of it, and then sprinkle it around in the pizza, smelling it the whole time. Fast I'm forward, smelling it you know, right now, and I feel sick. Fast forward five or six years later, I'm drunk sitting around a campfire, and my dad's best friend hands me a brat. And I'm like, I'm hungry. I need to eat this brat, but he's put sauerkraut all over it. I bitch about it, and he's like, "Stop being a pussy and eat it." And I ate it, and he, he says, "My life." He says, "Hey, Enola Holmes, eat this fucking brat, you fucking pussy." It was so prophetic at the time. I didn't know why he was calling me that. I know this was years before that book series even came out. <laughs> it's like fucking this is like Nostradamus, you know what I mean? Yeah. Jesus Christ. But basically ever since that time I've I've enjoyed sauerkraut. And so then I went back and tried a sauerkraut and ham pizza. And fuck, it was good. Do you have any German ancestry? Yes. I have a little bit, but I still hate sauerkraut. <laughs> oh my. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. I love it on a burger and <laughs> Um, but I, I can totally get it. You know, it is it is acquired taste on a pizza. No, I, I respect you anyway, Joe. Though I thoroughly disagree with your taste in this hour. Oh man, I love uh, Canadian bacon, Canadian bacon, and pineapple on a pizza. I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. That's a good. Do you shit. put the cherries on your Hawaiian pizza? I've never had I, cherries I, on a Hawaiian pizza. Some people do it, and I think it's weird. I've never had cherries on a Hawaiian pizza. I think it's too sweet. Hmm. Mm. Do you dip your do you dip your French fries in your frosty shake? Oh, Absolutely. that's a that's a requirement. Oh my god, it's so good! 
Ah, oh, sweet and salty. Invade my body. Oh, God. So good. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh, it's so fucking good. Enola Holmes, that was garbage. No, you had something, uh, something else Canadian before I cut you off. I started talking about Canadian bacon. That is very true. Uh, from the land up north in Canada, I would like to talk about my rewatch of the original Degrassi Junior High <laughs> and uh, Degrassi High. How are you watching this? Is this? Uh, are you watching it on YouTube or are you doing uh, Amazon? There is an official Degrassi YouTube channel where they have every episode uploaded. Yeah, but the quality is not there, is it? It's pretty good. Really? Um, okay. The only issue is that it's it was shot, of course, as an 80s show. It was shot in 4.3, so it's widened to 16 by 9. Uh, but aside from the aspect ratio being off, it's pretty good. This is something I've watched some Degrassi in the past, but I've never done like a whole binge. Have, have you watched uh, like where are you? Are you didn't Drake wasn't Drake on that show? Yo, so okay, so as a uh, you know a teen in the two thousands, I grew up watching Degrassi: The Next Generation, which is the series that starred Drake uh, as the character of Jimmy. So what I've been watching recently is the series that. It ties in to that, to the, the Degrassi from the 2000s. Um, and all of the characters from that, that 2000 show, it's their parents who were kids back in the 80s. And I've got to say, for a show from 1987, the topics are still relevant to today. I mean, they're taught, and this show pulls no punches. They're talking about issues with, you know, teen sex, with drinking, with drugs, pregnancy, abortion, pregnancy, racism. Like they do not pull any punches. Um, and it is such, such a good show. This is, I mean, the version I watched as a kid, total Tupperware. And going back for the first time and watching these original episodes, it's still a Tupperware. The One of the main characters from the, the later seasons is Emma, and her mom is a pregnant teenager. We see her go to a party and she, you know, goes into a bedroom with this character Shane and the door closes and it's like, oh, she's having sex in eighth grade. Like, what's going to happen? And then she deals with, like, having to tell her mom and having to go to the 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 gynecologist lady. And Joe, fig- Joe, like, she, doesn't, she doesn't Joe. break the fourth. Nobody breaks the fourth wall on this show, though. You wouldn't like it. <laughs> no, there is zero fourth wall yeah. breaking. So when she goes to that party and she's about to get fucked, she doesn't like break the fourth wall and go like, I'm about to get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Tommy yeah. says we're going to play hide the sausage. I don't know what that is. <laughs> but I have rewatched both seasons of Degrassi Junior High and I'm partway through my first watch of Degrassi High. And man, like... I never thought I would be so invested into the lives of Canadian teenagers from the 80s, but here I am, and I – man, it's so good, and the stories are still relevant. Like, yeah, they're not dealing with, you know, sexting or, you know, Snapchatting dirty photos or anything like that, but teen drinking or, you know, teen drug use. There was an episode where a character did acid for the first time and ended up jumping off of a bridge and, like – permanently changed his mental state um this show 
is willing to go places that I think a lot of shows made for teenagers don't want to take because they are, you know, quote, risky decisions. Uh, but these are stories and things that real teens have to deal with on a daily basis. And it's fun as hell to watch. Ah, I need to start that. I, I think I could seriously get addicted to it. I've been watching a lot of antenna TV lately. <laughs> oh my God. I'm telling you, just get, get an HD antenna for your fucking TV and watch it. It's all free. Dude, I've been watching Three's Company every fucking night. That show is hilarious. I used to watch it in syndication when I was a kid every once in a while, but my God, I've just been loving it oh my god it's that was so good john ritter wasn't it? john ritter yes john ritter yeah. suzanne summers and joyce dewitt joyce dewitt i oh my god i know like when i was a kid i was all about suzanne summers but man joyce dewitt is just so cute in that show she's just adorable i fucking love it it's so good three's company is so good john ritter's fucking physical comedy is like the best it is the best he is so funny and it, the whole premise. Don Knotts on it also. Yeah, he came later. Um, he was like the landlord later. It was yeah, originally. Yeah, he was the landlord. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don Knotts came yeah. later. They had uh, Mr. Roper was the original. Man, that was so good. Ah, it's so good. I remember watching that on syndication when I was a kid. Also, that was a fun show. Uh, tomorrow at fucking five o'clock, I get an hour block of silver spoons, and then after that. We're jumping into the Hogan's family from six to seven. Dude, it's going to be tomorrow is going to be fucking glorious for me. That's a that's a good day. That is. You bet your fucking ass. It's a good day. That's a day Ice Cube was talking about in Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I watched uh, Degrassi Degrassi High. I got to watch that, man. I got to get into that shit. I think I'll get into that shit. It's a lot of fun. And like I said, they are they're willing to show things that I think a lot of shows don't want to do because it is, you know, risque for kids. Uh, there's there's an abortion episode where there are protesters outside of the abortion clinic and they're holding this, like, little statue of a fetus and they're like, this is what you're killing. And that's... I mean, that was pretty ballsy for a show, even, I think, by today's standards, mm. yet alone a show from... The 80s. There's an episode where Drake fucking puts sauerkraut on a fucking pizza. <laughs> that was the most terrifying episode. <laughs> no shit. That, that is the reason why Jimmy got shot. It's not because he was a bully. It was because he put sauerkraut on a pizza. Oh, my God. <laughs> they were ready for it. Yeah, spoiler the, alert, Drake gets shot. How the fuck did, how the fuck did I get an episode where we got Joe talking about eating sauerkraut on a fucking pizza? What the fuck? Oh my God, Joe! I've never heard of such a thing. (laughs) It's a Canadian bacon pizza, and it popped into my head. You've never heard? You guys, neither of you have ever heard of that kind of pizza? Maybe it's no, no. Maybe it's a weird Iowa thing. What the fuck is going on in Iowa? For a breakfast sandwich, though. (laughs) Yeah, it is. You guys put good with eggs. You guys putting corn on your pizza over there too? (laughs) (laughs) So I I assume this is corn and everything in Iowa. Oh no, shit! Right. Oh, it's like nutmeg man. here in Connecticut. It's just on everything. Did you detassel <laughs> when you were a kid, Joe? I did it for one summer and it was fucked up, dude. I did it for, it was like, yeah, I did it yeah, for a couple it's of like years. A bunch of us middle school kids and then it was like 
seemingly just like high school kids or something that were like the supervisors. But I remember rolling out on that first day and this guy named Richie, who was like in charge of all of us turning around and just being like, smoke them if you got them. And then like just basically throwing cigarettes to everybody on the bus. Like you remember that scene in Waterworld where the Dennis Hopper's bad guys are like giving everybody cigarettes? That's what detasseling was like. Yeah, those the cigarettes that they had in that in that Waterworld movie were called death cigarettes, and those were re- <laughs> those were real cigarettes that you could buy. It had skull and crossbones on the front, and I bought a pack, and they were terrible cigarettes. <laughs> I remember I had some like loose rolling tobacco in high school that a friend of mine brought back from the Czech Republic. Uh, it was called Black Death. That's what. No, that's what I think these were called Black Death. I, I yeah. yeah that, yeah, it had skull and crossbones on the front. It's exact same fucking uh, cigarettes that uh, uh, Dennis Hopper was smoking in Waterworld. <laughs> Did you mm. guys ever have Belgium Delight cigarettes? No. Ah. Oh. They came in a square European package, and uh, they were chocolate cigarettes. They had, like, a chocolate flavor in the filter. Mm. They were fucking delicious. Hmm. I've had mint and there's cigarettes. A- had real mint that in them. Sounds good too. Yeah, they were called Sherman MCDs. I don't know if they still sell those anymore, but they came in a square little European packaging. I felt like a. I used to pull those out when I would smoke cigarettes at Lums or the coffee shop. Uh, see, I would pick up a pack of cloves if I was going to go like to the coffee shop. I would. Oh fuck, cloves! I I tried. I know. Anyway. <laughs> Fuck clothes, man. Those fucking burn your throat. My throat would bleed. Jesus Christ, those are strong. I didn't even want to be standing next to somebody when they were smoking one. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't want to smell any of that. I used that to. Once you smell a clove and you know that smell, you can tell it wherever you are. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. got to the point that like the, the pool hall that was like kind of like a big hangout for teenagers in the 90s, it, they had a rule eventually where it was like you can't smoke these in here. <laughs> That's not surprising. <laughs> oh my god! I used to I used to smoke my mint mint cig- cigarettes and and read my Enola Holmes books at the old coffee shop. <laughs> now that sounds like a good night. <laughs> such a fan. Oh man! <laughs> I uh, last thing I want to talk about is uh, I watched uh, the murders at White House Farm. I watched the first episode. That's on HBO Max. It's an HBO Max original. I think it originally premiered on Sky Network. So this is a, a British uh, production, but uh, it revolves around the true story of a fateful night in August 1985 when five members of the same family are murdered at a farmhouse. And uh, the ensuing police investigation and court case that follows stars uh, Freddie Fox, uh, Cressida Bonus, and uh, Stephen Graham from Taboos in this one. He plays a uh, like a police officer. Uh, so basically, you've got this whole story. I'm not going to get into this one too much. I watched the first episode. I kind of like. I don't know if I'm going to continue watching the series or if I'm just going to like read into like actually like what happened uh, at these murders and what what they found out. But uh, you've got uh, this family. One of the uh, the the sister. One of the sisters in this family has mental illness, and. Um, you know, they kind of established that early on in the, in the show that, uh, she's suffering from like some mental illness issues. And, um, late one night, uh, she's spending time with her mom and I guess her husband, her ex-husband who still has good has content. They've had kid, they had kids together, these two twin boys. 
the ex-husband drives her and the two twin boys out to the her parents uh farm and she's going to spend a, a few days uh with them and um uh, later on that night her brother gets a phone call from her dad and he's yelling about her having a gun we don't hear that we don't see that this is like what he's telling the police he's like yeah she she called and and I could you know, he called my my father called and he's yelling about her having a gun a rifle or something, and then the phone call cut out so the police show up to this house and they're gonna go in there and find out like what the fuck happened and when they go in and this is based on a true story so like when the police go in they find the father's like hunched over and he's dead. Everyone in the house is fucking dead. Even the two twin boys, they're like six or seven. They're in their bed and they're dead. And it looks like, she, you know, it looks like she went, you know, kind of like crazy and fucking shot and killed everybody in the house. But, um, I don't think it's that cut and dry. So, um, I don't know. I'll give it a taste. It, um, I think, uh, there's a there's a companion podcast, I think the Murders at White House Farm podcast, and I might actually just listen to that <laughs> to be I think it might be better than than watching these people uh act it out. I guess I guess I kinda like when I, when I'm into like the true crime stuff, I like it more in like the documenta- uh, documentary sense. Like um you know, uh, what are they the, I'll be gone in the night, that HBO um, series that, that documentary series that came out with, uh, Pat Oswalt, uh, Pat Oswalt's, uh, late ex, uh, wife, um, late wife that she was involved in. Like, I, I like that document, do, uh, documentary. That approach. documentary was incredible. It was an incredible documentary. I, I like that it approach a little me bit the more. fuck out too, dude. Yeah. Like, on like the second or third episode, I got on Amazon and ordered night vision security cameras for my yard. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but as much as I love Stephen Graham in, uh, Taboo, I don't know if I'm going to stick onto this one. I'll give it a taste it and I might just listen to that podcast when I have time to find out what happened here. Um, reminded me of like, uh, it reminded me a lot of, uh, the Amityville horror origin story. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Yeah. I remember that. That thing. Yeah. I remember that being kind of a scary movie when I was a kid. Well, I mean, yeah, the, well, the Amityville horror was kind of like the house is haunted, but like, like what actually happened in that house was, you know, the, the son went around and just shot everybody in the family. And they found him like laying in their beds and shit. And they wondered like, how did he fucking kill everybody in the house? Like, and they're all laying in, like, they're all laying in their beds. How did they not hear it? I don't think I've seen the the origin movie for the Amityville horror, but I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, yeah, it's based on it like the 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 whole Amityville horror is based on a tr- well, they're both based on like true stories, quote unquote. But like there's an origin story of like the murders that actually happened in that house. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. The, the son tried to blame it on drugs and demonic possession and being insane and shit and all this stuff. Like, like the same day that he fucking shot and killed his family and left them all 
dead in their beds. He like went to the bar and had a few drinks. It's pretty, it's pretty fucked up. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, let's take a break and come back and do the pop culture leftovers news. Sounds, Sounds good. good to me. Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt, and the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, hey, we are back. It is now time for the Pop Culture Leftovers News. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. Uh, Joe, are you excited about this? We're getting a spinoff of The Boys at Amazon. This news comes from Dark Horizons. Amazon is reportedly fast-tracking development on a spinoff series based on their popular adaptation of the comic book series, The Boys. Amazon says the second season launch of The Boys three weeks ago was the most watched global launch of an Amazon original series ever, with the episodes to date having grown the audience from the first season by 89%. The series has already been renewed for a third season. The irreverent R-rated spin-off series is set at America's only college exclusively for young adult superheroes that is run by Vought International. These hormonal competitive soups put their physical, sexual, and moral boundaries to the test, brutally competing for the best contracts in the best cities. Craig Rosenberg, Craig, Craig Rosenberg is writing the pilot and will serve as showrunner and executive producer under his overall deal with Sony Pictures Television. Eric Kripke, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, and James Weaver will also executive produce. Joe, are you excited for a spinoff series? Is it, is it, or, or are we getting too crazy? Are we getting into Walking Dead territory with all their spinoffs? Or, or is this too much? Or are you looking forward to this one? That's definitely the risk they're running here, but I feel like this has a chance to be successful just because the boys itself is like loosely based on the comic. It's there's quite a bit of difference between the source material and what they're doing and and I feel like what they're doing on the show is successful because it's like they're taking a parallel track to, you know, they they're featuring themes from the comic and you know they sprinkle in some easter eggs and stuff but it's it's this using the themes from the comic and they're doing their own way to show how the soups are bad you know they're not doing the exact same stuff they did 
in the source material, but they're doing it successfully in the show. It's it's almost like a like a parallel universe to the comic, and just because of that, I feel like this show could be successful. Um, it the fact that it's going to be on Amazon means that it'll be able to be rated R, and so it'll be able to carry a lot of that same type of humor that that makes the boys so appealing to watch. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hesitantly excited to look for it. I mean, I I hope it's not drivel. I I hope that. If they are cashing in on this success of season two, that they they have something worthwhile to show us, and it's not just a cash grab. Are um, we led? So, are we led to believe that the heroes that we're familiar with in the boys that they all went through this college? So are, are we are we led to believe that that they all went through this? It's run by Vought International. So are we going to get like teachers? Are we going to get, like, professors or whatever that are teaching them? And, like, we're going to get, like, some fucking, you know, professor that's like, yeah, you know, Homelander. I I, I taught Homelander, blah, 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 blah. Is that what we're led to believe here? That You know what I mean? See, if they did that, I think it would, like, uh, that was, like, an immediate eye roll to me. Like, trying to imagine, like, those other, like, the current heroes we're seeing as students in the past in this other place that's i hadn't even considered that yeah like um, we're gonna walk down a walk down a hallway and it's gonna have like the i can already see it they're gonna walk down a hallway and there's gonna be like former alumni on the walls you're gonna see homelander on the walls you're gonna see black noir you know you're gonna, you're gonna make see, a lot of sense that they would do that but ugh, i got mixed feelings about that and are we going to – is this going to be like Harry Potter where we're going to be joining them in their classes and seeing how they're like competing against each other in these classes? Is it, You know what I mean? Like, oh, and we're going to have the bad ones that are basically like Slytherin and then we're going to have our Hufflepuffs <laughs> that, you know, that that are there for all the right reasons. But, you know, Vought, as we know, Vought is kind of like this evil company. And I, I don't know, man. I don't know. See, I, my, my thought on it would it was it would be something similar to what you were just saying there, in that the conflict that would maybe like brew between characters in this would be the you know the soups that are going to the school that that are genuinely wanting to be good people, kind of like what we're seeing Annie like in the in the in the main series, and then you have other characters that are just sociopaths that have a lot of power. That you know, those would be the foils in that show. Maybe um, I, I see. I don't know. There, there's a lot of different directions they could go. And, and what Garth Ennis laid down in the series is there's lots of different ways that you could expand off of that. Because I could see an institution like this existing in in the source material. Because there was all sorts of like there was, you know, he had like his his different take on like this is the team that's like the Avengers. This is the team that's like the Justice League. This is the 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 big mansion place that's kind of like the X Men, and you know, so he he had all different things like that laid in. So I could totally see, you know, Vought running some sort of school where they're 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 training these soups from a young age to be the sorts of soups that they want them to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean I hope this works out. I, I'm dude, I, I haven't watched the latest episode that just the sixth episode that just came out <laughs> yesterday. 
but I am, I did watch the fifth up. I, 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 I save the boys for Sundays. Sundays like my day that I, that I catch up on the boys. Nice. But man. There's a fantastic Easter egg. I, I won't say anything more other than that there's a really great Easter egg from the comics in this next episode and I just thought it was so fucking funny. Well, last episode I think they they kind of threw in a Joss Whedon Justice League. Not it, it wasn't even an Easter egg. They were they were alluding to they even used Joss Whedon's name in it in that episode, right? In the fifth episode specifically what part that was. Well, when they were filming the yeah, because I knew there there was a, I remember there was a lot of the movie set stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that they were kind of like Basically taking a jab at Josh Whedon. Josh Whedon taking over for um, Zack Snyder in the Justice yeah. League movie. I don't. Oh my god! <laughs> that with that face rip in the fifth <laughs> in the fifth episode. Oh. <laughs> I've never and that's seen some stuff right out of the comics. Too. I thought that when I I've never read the comic, but when I when I was like, I bet you that that is directly from the comic. That was so fucking brutal. Oh my god! Yeah, because because in the comics, Kamiko's just the female, and Frenchie's really the only one that that can really talk to her in any sort of way. And and he discovers that she is doing that, that she's going out and just taking hits and and murdering these gangsters and stuff just mm. for kicks because I mean she really can't feel anything anymore. And then you know there's an arc with Frenchie trying to steer her back to the right course with it. And so it was really cool seeing that. This this series, the second season, has had so many Easter eggs from the comics sprinkled into it. It's been really really fantastic. I'm loving, I'm loving the second season. Um, I mean, they're already, I think like Amazon online is like saying, you know, watch the full season on October 9th. So they're trying to kind of like let everybody know that like the full season will be out by October 9th and trying to get people to knock it off with giving them bad reviews for not releasing it. That's just fucking, that's people acting like babies. It is. It is. Like, there's nothing wrong with waiting week to week for a TV show. Yes, it's fantastic to binge something. Would I have binged season two of The Boys if I had it all available? Absolutely. But I'm also really liking the you know that that buildup of anticipation. I am too. I'm loving of, this right now, especially with with honestly with like I think that they realize now that we are you know six seven months deep into you know COVID nineteen that new content that we're going to be getting is going to be kind of slow now. And I think it's even going to slow down for Netflix starting in like November, December. I think a lot of the new stuff that we might be watching from Netflix is stuff that they're either holding on to or stuff that they're buying internationally. You know, I just, I just don't see a lot of Netflix originals coming out. With, I'll with, tell you what, one Netflix show they could be doing all day without any concerns would be the Joel McHale show with Joel McHale. Yeah, and they fucking – well – I, I well, could the, totally do that. Yeah. It's one guy in he, front of a green screen. Well, they – listen to this shit. They brought back the soup on E! with that female host, and then once COVID hit, they stopped doing that. They stopped making Another, that. Yeah, it's been so easy to produce. Can you imagine Joel McHale making ripping on fucking Gary Busey Pet Judge or whatever the fuck that show is? <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried watching that fucking thing? This is the first time I've heard about it, and the, I'm very intrigued. Go on to Amazon, and there's a show called Gary Busey Pet Judge, and 
pet owners that have disputes with either each other or whatever. I got through maybe 15 minutes of the first episode <laughs> and I was like, this is the dumbest shit I have ever watched in my life. I cannot watch this. <laughs> I was thinking that clip they'd always play from the soup where he's like wearing like the feather boa thing. He's like, I will pull your endocrine system out of your body. Yes, yes. What <laughs> does that mean? He's so crazy. Oh my god, Busey's a nutbag. Oh my, <laughs> Harmon, dude, you got to watch the boys, man. I think you dig this fucking show. It's basically like if the Justice League that we know from the comic books was they. To the public, they look like the Justice League, but on the back end, man, they're they're owned by a huge evil corporation. <laughs> this actually sounds pretty cool. I mean, and like, I haven't watched anything related to this show, but it sounds really fun. And the the spinoff, like with the the you know the heroes in college and yeah, shit, like that sounds like it could be really cool. I think it all comes down, Joe, and you might agree with me. And, you know, I mean, we we had some eye roll moments there of talking about like what the show could be, but like I think it all does come down to like who they cast in this thing, man. You know, because like I've fallen in love with all the actors that are playing their uh, you know comic counterparts in this series. I fucking you know, I love, of course I love Carl Urban and, um, Jack Quaid's fantastic. Um, um, what's his name? Laz Alonzo, his mother's milk is, he's so good. Yeah. And, um, you know, I love the, uh, the addition of, um, oh God, what's her fucking name from You're the Worst? My, uh, Aya Cash. I love her. And just seeing her as Stormfront in this new season, she's fantastic. I love what they've done with Stormfront. Stormfront's character in the comic was just very two-dimensional. Okay. And and they changed her gender for the show and, like, really expanded it out. And it's, it's I don't know. I, I can, there's, there's like a division between people who are really, really loyal to the comic, not liking certain key differences that are in the show. But man, I've I've been able to strike this balance of keeping them as just two very separate things. I think they like, can... I really love the comic, man. With the exception of the last story arc, it's yeah. fucking fantastic. I think they can all agree that this is probably a better adaptation of uh, of a Garth Ennis work than Preacher was on AMC. Yeah, yeah. I only made it a few episodes into into Preacher, but I dropped off please. in season two. I was just kind of like, I'm I'm out on this, so. Yeah. I think I read the first 26 issues of that comic. Title I the comic was pretty damn good. Title for this um, spinoff, do you think that they're going to incorporate the boys in the title somewhere? And what I'm saying is, like, basically you get a Star Wars. Remember when uh, the Star Wars spinoff movies that we were getting, the one-shots? Weren't they going to be all called, like, a Star Wars story? Yeah. You know, Walking Dead, we get... All the Walking Dead shit, but it's got like a colon, you know, Fear the Walking Dead or whatever they want to change the title to. You know? Do you think that yeah, they're gonna how do they how do you work something like the boys into a title like that? <laughs> or do they or do they try and work something else in like Vought University yeah. or something, you know, where where it would be, you know, more of a, a signpost for people who are already fans of the series. Well, think about fucking uh Hobbs and Shaw, they still had to call it, you know you know, fast and what do they call it? Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw or whatever the fuck Hobbs and Shaw you know Tales from Fast and Furious or whatever the fuck they called it yeah yeah maybe they'll come up with some 
<laughs> some some long name like that. <laughs> some Dawn I, of Justice shit. I really like what what you had mentioned, Joe, about maybe like a Vault University type deal. Um, because I I mean I have no knowledge of I haven't read any of the comics I haven't seen the show yet, but it. I imagine it would be very difficult to try to make a title of like the boys colon the college years or whatever. That doesn't roll off the tongue. Ah, <laughs> uh, not like Saved by the Bell, the college years. <laughs> Harmon, I gotta now tell that's you this a one title. thing. I gotta tell you this one detail about the comic book. And this was actually the thing that swayed me into reading the series a long time ago was years and years ago I heard Frank give a review on the boys and he was talking about this story arc where there's this character named Tech Knight that's kind of like Batman and his kink in the book is that anything with a hole in it he has to fuck and it like gets really really bad to the point where he's like going and seeing psychologists about it and uh, it, it spins down to the fact where there's like an asteroid hidden to- headed towards the planet and they're zooming in on it, and they see that it has a tiny little hole in it. And then Tech Knight's like, if there's a hole in it, I can fuck it. <laughs> and he flies into space and fucks the asteroid into, like, not being there anymore. What in delightful fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucked up, and it's so funny. What's crazy is that this actually reminds me of a story. I had a manager. I used to work in a call center in my early 20s, and I had a manager that would talk about his dad, and his dad suffered from mental illness. And he was telling it. I don't know how this came up, but he said his dad got really mad one day and took a hammer and started fucking putting holes in their walls and then later took him aside and said, see all those holes in those walls? I fucked all them holes. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why that story is stuck with me 20 plus years later. Don't put your dick in that subreddit. Right? Yeah. Oh my, oh God. What a great subreddit. That's one of the best. Uh, right, let's move on into Marvel news. I'll play the fucking bumper. Marvel news. What does 2020 mean to Marvel? Well, what does it mean to Marvel Studios? Absolutely nothing. We are getting nothing. Uh, this comes from comicbook.com. Marvel's Black Widow, which is supposed to come out on November 9th. Um, it's been moved. Marvel's Black Widow will now release on May 7th of 2021. Eternals is now going to be pushed to November 5th, 2021, and Shang-Chi Legend and the Legend of the Ten Rings will release on July 9th, 2021. Um, this is all because of the uh, coronavirus pandemic. Uh, so, yeah, um, we are getting nothing into. This is the first year since 2009 where we haven't had a Marvel movie. Uh, Marvel movie, guys. That's so wild. Yeah, that's really weird to think about. Yeah, yeah. I think all we're getting this year is like. WandaVision, and we're, we might be getting one episode of WandaVision in 2020. And then, like, looking at, like, the rest of the episodes dropping in January of 2021. 
because I what I believe is like what they'll do is they will drop the Mandalorian, and once that's finished, a week or two later, we'll fucking get uh, WandaVision. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh man, I don't know. How, has your excitement for the MCU waned because of this? Is it hard to no. look? Is it hard? Oh, okay, Joe, go ahead. My excitement hasn't waned at all, but but I find myself in this really peculiar position where I keep going back and forth on how much would I pay if if they just released Black Widow just as like a a video on demand rental. How much would I pay to actually watch that at home? And, and overall is, I mean, you know, like you, like it's been talked about in the past that if they do start this trend of releasing movies like that, it's just going to hurt theaters. And I don't want to see that happen because there is a giant difference between seeing a movie on the giant screen and the awesome sound system and being focused in like you get in a movie versus watching it at home where you could pause it and and have bullshit interruptions and stuff like that so i don't know it just puts me in this place where it's like i want these marvel movies and shit i want them now but i also don't want something to happen to disrupt the status quo to the point where we wouldn't have those theater experiences in in some different futures. So. Yeah, but are we going to have fucking movie theaters now? <laughs> how long well, how long can AMC and Regal and Cinemark and all these fucking theaters I mean, I've already seen I've already seen a good rich theater here. One of my favorite fucking theaters. This is the theater that uh, me and Jake actually went to go see um uh Rise of Skywalker at Amazing IMAX theater and they have uh, luxury seating in, in certain, in, in certain, uh, parts of the theater where it's like you get the, oh god, the, the sound is incredible and you get to sit in these big poofy fucking recliners. They're, it's a, it's a great theater. It's done. That theater is done. Um, Goodrich bought up like the, the parent company or whatever bought up a, a, a lot of the Goodrich theaters. They did the one and they bought up the one in Peoria, but the one in Savoy is fucking, it's just, it's, it's just going to sit there vacant now. It's done. Like theaters are dying and, um, and, and, and drive-ins, we could say, yeah, build more drive-ins, but like in some parts of the country, drive-ins, <laughs> they're done by the end of September. They're done by the end of this month. Like October, it's going to start getting too cold for drive-ins to be open. So people in other parts of the country won't even be able to go to drive-ins and safely watch a movie. Um, how long is AMC going to be able to, to do this? Right now, AMC is only able to have 40% occupancy in their theaters. They're doing what they can. I know that they've got the, you know, there's, uh, messages before the movie about wearing a mask. Um, they, uh, they have like a new air filtration system that they've put into these theaters. They come in there and they clean them and they wipe down the seats and the armrests and everything. But I mean, how long can AMC hold out on this? Like new movies, like big movies. I'm not talking about, I know Evan Rachel Wood just had a new movie drop called Kajillionaire and that's out in theaters. And, and there's some other movies that have dropped recently that are new to movie theaters this week, but, uh, we're not getting Black Widow, um, you know, tenants out there, but it's not performing. I think Warner Brothers, that's why they moved Wonder Woman. And I fully expect Wonder Woman not to drop on Christmas Day. I think it'll get pushed again. 
Um, I just don't, I don't know how, what theaters are going to look like after this is all done. Yeah. And I mean, really depending on how quickly they can get a vaccine released, you know, people aren't going to be doing a lot of that stuff that we took for granted, you know, pre 2020 and really the longer it takes the, it's really just going to be these larger theater chains that could be the only ones capable of writing it out just because they might have enough, you know, money in the bank to allow them to do so. But like the smaller places, the Mon Pa venues, you know, no way you'd be able to hold on um, for an extended period of time. I mean, the the local theater here where I live, and I don't know if it's the same where other people are, like they're doing everything that they can to stay open. Like when the pandemic was at, you know, when it first started, like we had the theater here, they would open up in the morning and they would sell you theater popcorn. You know, they would, they, you know, you'd pull up and you'd get the theater popcorn. They were doing everything they could. Now, now they're showing older movies. You know, I think they're going to be playing American Graffiti and Animal House. And, uh, but I mean, when I went, when I went to go see Bill and Ted, I mean, there were maybe 10 people in the theater, maybe 10 people. I just don't know how, I don't know how these theaters are going to stay open. And be able to weather this fucking storm. This is inc- this is just insane. I know they're counting on um, um, the the new James Bond movie coming out. When's that coming out? November. And I know the local theater here they got their standee for it. But for me, that means nothing. That means nothing. I mean, we fucking <laughs> we saw New Mutants have posters back in 2017. <laughs> so I mean, is is uh, that's like the, I think the the next big release is the James Bond movie that hasn't been moved yet. Is that even going to come out in November? I just don't know how theaters are going to survive if you don't have like a movie like Tenet or a James Bond or a Wonder Woman or Black Widow coming out. You you make a lot of great points, both of you guys do, and I hope that when all of this COVID shit is finally behind us that we are able to really enjoy the cinema experience again. But I would, I would bet money that there are people who are just going to be totally soured from the experience. And if they're given the chance to just rent a movie at home, they're going to take that opportunity versus driving to a theater. Because I think there's a lot of people who don't care about that experience as much as we do and as much as listeners of the show do. I think you're right. I think you're right. Like, what are movie theaters going to have to do to bring those people back, though? And, I mean, it's like – it's it, then it becomes an issue of safety. Even with a vaccine coming out, I mean, it's not 100 percent. That You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. What I, what I honestly hope to see is that we get more – when this is all done, we get more smaller theaters that are – I don't want to say like necessarily luxury cinemas, but that are more maybe slightly upscale and where it's more about the true cinema experience versus just things like AMC or some of the bigger chains and that some of these smaller theaters are able to really blossom and to give the people who care about the cinema experience – that actual chance to see these films on the big screen. But I, I'm sure there are people who just aren't going to be interested anymore if they can just rent the movie at home. Yeah. And especially if it's, 
you know, because just speaking for myself, if this is something to where, you know, it's like the new Marvel movie and I'm going to go see it in the theater. And so chances are I'm going to go by myself. You know, that's no problem. But if it's say it's like, you know, the next Trolls movie or something that the kids are really stoked to see. You know, it'd probably make more sense to rent it at home and watch it there. Well, see, when I go, when I go to the movies, when I come back home, I don't have to worry about, you know, I, I live by myself, right? Like I can understand if you have a family and you're coming back, you don't want to go out and then worry about putting your family at risk. You Mm -hmm. know, like I, I, I don't have that problem. Like if I go to, if I go out and I wear my mask and I'm like, you know, using the hand sanitizer and I'm doing what I do, I come back and there's nobody I have to worry about. It's just me. But like, I can't see people at like Christmas being like, yeah, let's go see a movie. Let's go see Wonder Woman. Yeah. It's going to be hard enough for families to get together over the holidays. And then worry about, and then try, you know what I mean? Oh, wow. Yeah, my brain hadn't even quite gotten to December yet. Mm. Wow. Yeah, dude, this is, it's goddamn strange, unprecedented times that we're living in. And and the ripple effects that we're seeing, you know, affect all these different industries. It's going to be really interesting to see what kind of world we come out of. Yeah. I like Jake. I like, I like Harmon's idea that, you know, having more theaters that they could be a smaller theater and just cater towards that theater experience and maybe even, you know, you know, offer things that, that those other places don't have. And cause otherwise I, I don't see anything other than really large corporate places with really deep pockets being able to withstand such a long break from having that much revenue come in. I think that for me, I think, and I don't know if all these, I don't know if this is the way I want to watch movies anyway, but like, I know that Alamo draft house, you can watch movies on their website. You can purchase movies, video on demand on their website and watch it right there at home on your computer. But like, who wants to watch black widow for the first time? Let's say they work out a deal with like the different theater chains and stuff like that to where like, you know, there's AMC on demand or whatever. Like, who wants to watch Black Widow on their fucking computer for the first time? I don't know. I just, I, I think if I had the chance to watch Black Widow in my living room right now, I probably would. Yeah. Yeah. If but, I, but if yeah. it was like, oh, you have to watch it on your, your mobile device, you have to watch it on your iPhone, and be like, mm, no. But like, watch it on the flat screen on my wall in my living room. It's like, it's not as good as a theater, obviously, but. Yeah. Shit, I'd still get to see it. Yeah, I want to see it too. <laughs> oh my god, do I want to see well, it? I just, I just want all these Marvel, cause we know the way that the Marvel movies go together. They, they build off of each other. Oh, yeah. So the longer it takes for one to release, that means everything else down the line is now pushed back as well. What are the, what are the post credit scenes gonna look like for Black Widow? You know? Oh, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, we all want it. We, we, and we were supposed to have seen it fucking four months ago. We were supposed that's to the see the craziest thing. That's the craziest fucking thing. We were supposed <laughs> it, to see it. It should be like out on like digital now. <laughs> the original release date for Wonder Woman 1984 was November of last year. Which I bet they're kicking themselves that they didn't make that date. Oh, they have to, right? Oh, there's no doubt about that. You know, the biggest fucking, the biggest movie in the box office this year was, uh, Bad Boys for Life. 
<laughs> that's just the world. I mean, that's just because of fucking COVID. That's yeah, it's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. I remember. Oh god. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's like I I, I was able to see just. If, it feels like I was just able to see a handful of movies this year, and then it all just went to shit. I don't think I've been to the theater at all this year. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I haven't. Yeah, same here. <laughs> I was trying well, to think, did I see something in January or February? Doing this show, like before all this stuff hit, I would go to the movie theater at least two to three times a week. You know, I was a regular. I went two to three times a week, sometimes four times a week. You know, I was using my A-list at... I was that A-list person that was using AMC A-list. I, and before that, I was using MoviePass, you know, and I was using it, you know, three, four times a week. And uh, I, I've watched, I've, I've only, I've, I saw Tenet twice. I saw Bill and Ted face the music and I watched. Uh, New Mutants and that's the last time I went to the theater there's really nothing out there right now where it's like oh I gotta go watch Unhinged with Russell Crowe I don't care about, I can wait or I can never see that fucking movie I don't give a fuck uh, had had COVID not hit I probably already would have seen Kajillionaire with Evan Rachel Wood I love her I love her in Westworld and I probably would have seen that movie already but like now it's like I don't feel like I don't know if it, like if that's if I want to go out and watch that movie now in the theater. Maybe I just wait. Maybe I just wait to see that one when it comes out on VOD. I get why I don't even I don't even understand why they released that one in the theater now. Like who the fuck I don't know. Like who's <laughs> it is odd. It's like well let's just get it out there. You know, like a few a few views is better than none. <laughs> Yeah, it's cra- well, I mean, it should be, it should, I think like, I think if they're gonna release some of this shit in theaters, I think Mulan should have been theaters and VOD. Um, you know, I've talking to theater owners, I talked to one theater owner, and they're pissed off at Disney. And I understand why Disney did it. Disney was like, either we release Mulan or we fucking release a bunch of employees. Yeah. So, WandaVision trailer. Did you guys watch the WandaVision trailer? Yep. Yes, I did. Oh my gosh. Um, let me, I want to, we'll dive into it. I'll break it down a little bit for you, what I can kind of like get out of this thing. But like, are you guys confused? Did it confuse you? <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what the hell is going on. Exactly, but I love it. <laughs> you love the trailer, you have no idea what the fuck is going on. I get yes. it. I get it. No, I totally yes. get that. We got Wanda now. She's in this town called Westview. And she's back with the vision. They're living this picture perfect life together in basically what looks like uh, a sitcom. Um, you know, sitcoms from the 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, 80s, 90s. And, but she's back with the Vision. We know that Vision died at the end of Infinity War when Thanos ripped the Mind Stone out of Vision's forehead. It instantly killed him. Um, 
I've always thought that the connection between this two, like, I think like they did, you know, it's different from the comics, but I think they did a good job here, um, with kind of like the connection between those two. Her powers came from the Mind Stone, like her and Quicksilver in the movie. When we get introduced to them, we find out that they get their powers from the Mind Stone. Vision. He got his powers from the Mind Stone. You know, they, they get together, they fall in love, Vision and Wanda. And, um, in this trailer, what I'm trying to figure out is that it looks like, I think there's one of two, there's one of two things that are happening here. Either Wanda has created this world herself. Or uh, uh, she's basically created this world in Westview where the vision is still alive and they live this harmonious life. She can't deal with the death of vision or the government is doing kind of like this whole they've turned this whole town of Westview uh, and they've hired basically actors, people to pretend that that uh vision's still alive and and they've hired all these actors and and to keep her under control they're worried about her they see that she's a threat and if she has to deal with the fact that the love of her life is now dead that like things could really go sideways she could really wreak some havoc the government is involved here in trying to keep her under control because we see that there's like this in the trailer, you see like this military perimeter that they've kind of set up on the outside of Westview. You get it. We get a really quick shot of it in the trailer. And so I'm trying to figure out, did, did one, did Wanda create what's what we're seeing here? Or is this kind of like the government putting on like their own version of the Truman show? Where they've hired like Catherine Hahn's character and, and, um, all these different people within this world to kind of like, uh, keep her, keep her at bay, keep her powers at bay and keep her, you know, so that she doesn't flip out. Personally, I hope that it's the, the former idea you mentioned where it's this sub reality that she has created as a way for her to deal and process with the death of vision. Um, I think that makes for a better story overall, but I, I could see it going either way. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I, I like that idea better as well. Um, I like the, I kind of like the Truman show idea though, too. That's pretty cool. I, um, yeah, I'll so get one, of, one of the things, one of the details from the trailer that, that I keep coming back to is, is vision like getting told that, you know, he's dead. And, and so it's like, it, does that mean that, that he has some sort of agency there? Is this something is, does this have something to do with like when the mind stone was ripped out of his head, did part of his soul or, you know, part of his, you know, whatever actually go somewhere? Was it, was he connected, you know, through the Mind Stone enough that part of his personality is in Wanda's mind? 
Like, I, I don't know. There's lots of different interesting directions they could go. And the, and the trailer was so batshit crazy <laughs> that it does leave it open to, you know, interpretation from multiple angles. I, I love the, the TV show aspect in it, though, that, that it keeps representing different TV shows. And so it's like, well, what does that mean? Out of the, the whole thing's really intriguing. And the, and the trailer was like visually really, really fantastic. Um, when there's a scene, do you, do you remember the scene where the wine is being poured and it's being poured, like she's like using telekinetic powers to pour the wine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The top of the label, and I'm not the first to point this out. This is online. The top of the label of this wine bottle that's being poured, it has the letter M and it's kind of alluding to House of M which was this crossover in Marvel where basically where Scarlet Witch lost her children and um to Mephisto and she kind of flipped out and um <laughs> I think that is what they're alluding to here. I think it is the government thing. I think it's the government thing. I think it's the government worried about her and her powers and what she could do if she finds out the truth. They're trying to keep her at bay here. And, um, I think this is going to be loosely based on house of M. Uh, I mean, you were talking about a character that's so powerful that she said no more mutants. And, I think after she didn't destroy all the mutants, but there like the, like there was only like two hundred or three hundred mutants left after she said that. I mean, that's how yeah, powerful she, she is. She in the said comics. it, and basically, like mutants stopped being born, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there's a newspaper in this one where. In the trailer, they show this newspaper and it basically says on the front cover, like the front page news of this newspaper says like, you know, uh, baby June's first words to her mother. It's like, it's a world where like the front page news is like, you know, in this town is like this baby's first words. Like there's nothing bad going on. It's a perfect world. They're trying to give her like a perfect experience within this world. I don't know if it's her that's doing this or if it's like government controlled. And I'm thinking if it is government controlled, if like we see like in that trailer, when we see like that government military, that perimeter that they've set up on the outside of Westview, if I wonder if is general Ross behind this. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely been a foil in, in these movies. And we know he's you know, like, showing up in Black Widow. We've seen him fucking showing up in Black Widow. We saw the, like, it looks like a younger General Ross in Black Widow. Hmm. Yeah, dude, that's, I don't know. Evidence is kind of stacking in that way that this could just be some sort of government thing to just try and, you know, keep her keep her occupied somehow. The big rumor is like, why is the government doing this? How do they have the knowledge about this? And I keep hearing, and this is going around on like the Marvel leaks thread subreddit of Reddit is people are saying like, we're going to find out at the end of WandaVision that one of the people that were like behind this was actually Dr. Strange himself was worried about her. Hmm. 
And that's where she fits into the Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness movie. That's the connection here. That's a here. really interesting idea. Yeah. That's, that's a, a really cool great angle. way to focus on that story. And it could make Scarlet Witch an enemy in that movie. And I think, what? I think Vision's back. I think somehow he comes back. That scene where he fucking touches Catherine Hahn's head and she's like, she's like, am I dead? And he's like, no. And she's like, you know, why would you say that or whatever? Because you are. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was bringing up earlier. Yeah. That that scene right there is like, that's the biggest, that scene puts the biggest question mark on the whole trailer. To me. I, I think it, he's, it, I think he's come back. I think somehow he's come back and he's finding out like, I think like this is all post like what's happened with her within, within Westview. Like he's, he, he's come back now and she, maybe she's different now. She's not the same Scarlet Witch that we knew from like, you know, end game. And even at the beginning of the series, she might've lost her mind. And it I seems like a good tra- point. Sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead, Joe. <laughs> I was going to say, it seems like they're trying to get something out of her also. Like, like, are they putting her in this whole false reality to try and like divulge something? Because remember that doctor like keeps screaming at her at the table or I don't know if he's a doctor or not, but he's like, he's like demanding some answer out of her. Yeah. 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 Uh, was it, uh, Arthur, Arthur. At the table is the black and white scene, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually one of the things I wanted to touch on was how some of the scenes were shot in or presented anyway in black and white and in the older four three aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be a really neat storytelling device. Is if this is part of a you know whether it's an alternate reality or it's just her coping mechanism for dealing with the loss of vision if this perfect world that she's created is presented in the the older format or in black and white and then as as she begins to process through through her grief that's when we start to see things come into color i i think that could be a really neat storytelling device Mm -hmm. yeah well, I just kept thinking, like, when, when we saw, like, them at the table in black and white and she's pouring the wine through teleconnect powers and shit like that, it just reminded me of, like, um, Bewitched. It reminded me of that oh, show, yeah, Bewitched, totally. yeah. Dick York, Dick Sargent, whatever. Whichever dick you prefer, whether it's <laughs> Chris Evans' dick or whatever dick you, <laughs> you're a fan of. <laughs> Did you notice that, I, that, um, they cast, um, an older Monica Rambeau in this? We, we, we met the young Monica Rambeau in, um, Captain Marvel when it was, uh, in the nineties. And now at the end of the trailer, we see, um, Monica Rambeau older and she's been thrown out of Westview. We see her like laying down. And she's been thrown out of Westview. And it looks like she's been thrown out by Scarlet Witch. So there's a Captain Marvel kind of um, connection here as well with Monica Rambeau. And some people are saying that 
when she does that, maybe that's how Monica Rambeau gets her powers, maybe through Scarlet Witch and the Mind Stone. I don't, I don't know, but that's, it's definitely the actor that they've cast here. This older actor is going to be playing Monica Rambeau. So there's a connection to that character and, and Captain Marvel here in this series as well. I did also notice that they casted Deborah Jo Rupp, aka Kitty from that 70s show. Yeah, the mother, she plays, yeah, the mother from that 70s show, yeah. Yep. And I, I hope that that character ends up being somewhat of a main player, cause I absolutely love that actress. I think she could give a lot to this series, especially if they do kind of like a dual reality type deal, um, where there is like the picture perfect world and then the, actual things going on i just keep thinking like what like what if what if dr strange is behind all this like what if that's the connection to this and it makes dr strange look like a villain as we're watching the series but then on the flip side of that we get like the dr strange in the multiverse of madness movie and then it paints scarlet witch out to be the villain of that film i don't know i the, the, i am I, guys i don't think this this trailer gave me any answers it just asked i it just made me ask that more that that more questions uh, that's about, why like, i give this trailer a tupperware because it has me interested without giving me any actual like spoilers or concrete answers this is the closest thing to legion that i think marvel has done <laughs> yeah yeah i'd absolutely agree with that and yeah, Legion on, uh, FX was, uh, was a fucking mind trip. And I think, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to get with WandaVision, but I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to fucking see it. What do you think about this Disney plus Marvel news from Dark Horizons here that I'm going to go over? It's Samuel Jackson is set to reprise the role of Nick Fury in a new Marvel Studios TV series currently in development for Disney plus. The plot details of the show are being kept under wraps, but Jackson is attached to star with uh, Kyle Bradstreet from Mr. Robot attached to write and executive produce. Jackson's Fury was last seen on board a scroll ship deep in space during the end credits of Spider-Man Far From Home. He has played the character in multiple films and on two episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but this would mark the first regular television role of his career. Um... Yeah, this is a new show that they've added to this lineup that are going to come out on Disney+. Plus. We know we're getting, of course, WandaVision. We're getting the Falcon and Winter Soldier. We're getting Loki. We're getting She-Hulk, Hawkeye, and Moon Knight, and Miss Marvel. And now we're getting a Samuel Jackson-led Nick Fury series on Disney+. Plus. What do you want? Like, is this something that you're looking forward to? And what do you want out of this series? I know what I kind of want out of this series, but maybe I'm just, maybe I, I don't know. Maybe I don't. Maybe you guys can change my mind. What do you want out of this series? What what are we doing here? Is this going to be something more like it's going to be like a spy thriller stuff, kind of like the vibe that we got from Winter Soldier, or is this going to be something more, more cosmic in dealing with him working with the scrolls? I mean, I, there's definitely a bunch of different directions they could go just seeing you know where we've seen his character and then when you think about you know the nick fury from the comics it it could be stuff where he's you know doing more pulling the sprit the strings i mean that's what i keep going back to i keep thinking about when when i think of nick fury from the comics i keep thinking of uh 
all the secrets, all the secrets that we don't know and like how mysterious this dude is. And like, and part of me in this, what I want from this show is like, when all these different movies were happening and when we all were like, man, what's the last time we saw Nick Fury in a movie? I kind of want to see like, what was Nick Fury doing when we didn't know what he was doing? Yeah. Or, or would this be more stuff where they're using that de-aging technology and we're seeing younger Nick Fury, you know, like more stuff that he got into say after the events of the first Captain Marvel movie. That's true. That's true. I, For me, though, like the whole MCU, I was like, you know, like, what's Nick Fury doing when, you know, I don't know, like the first Ant-Man movie was going on. What's like, was he like all these things, all these times where like Nick Fury wasn't showing up and we were wondering like what, like, could, is, is there a way to tie him into some of this stuff where he was kind of like in the background doing things, making moves and we just didn't know? That's a good idea. Um, personally, I don't want like a super in-depth character show about Nick Fury. I think he's worked I think so far he's done best as he's been put into the film sporadically. But I think if it was almost, almost like almost an anthology series where this episode is focusing on what he's doing during, you know, Ant-Man and this, you know, these next two episodes are focusing on what's happening during the first Iron Man movie or what have you. I think that could be a really neat concept. It's almost... It's almost like an anthology series, an anthology series that follows each movie and his moves behind the scenes. I think that could work, and I think that could be a lot of fun. Or are you talking like Joe? Are you talking about like are we see, are we seeing Nick Fury in space now? See, and that's definitely a direction it could go as well. Like, what what exactly was he doing up there with the scrolls? Is is he being almost like an ambassador between the earth and the scrolls. Was he doing it just to get some time off? Cause we saw him, you know, sitting kind of with his toes in the sand, um, you know, while, while we had those other scrolls that were impersonating him and Hill on earth and in, um, far from home. What are the chances that Brie Larson show up in this? What are the chances that Captain Marvel has him doing things on the side? I mean, I don't know. I'm just throw, I'm, now. I'm just throwing shit out there. Yeah. It, well, and also they do. They need to walk a line where they want to clearly do something different than what they were doing on Agents of Shield. Because how would you? I mean, it, you could really easily see a a Nick Fury series be pretty damn similar to what Agents of Shield was. But uh, yeah, it, it seems they wouldn't go in that direction please, at all. Please don't. <laughs> I'm with Brian on that one. That's not the TV show that I want to watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I well, and, and kind yeah. of that's what I'm getting at is that you know they probably don't want to tread that ground, so it makes it almost seem like it's not going to have anything to do with Shield. And so then, it, it, would this be doing more stuff with Sword? Because that's more what they were doing up in space, right? Yeah, I honestly like what I'm saying. I don't like what I'm saying about like what he's doing behind the scenes during like all the Marvel movies. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think they're going to do something really crazy with with his character. 
I think that's the only way it'll work realistically is if they do something just nuts and out of left field that no one is expecting. Because if they play it safe, I think the show is going to fall flat. I think we're going to find out some crazy shit about Nick Fury that we didn't even know. He's able to do shit that we were like, what the fuck? This guy is in way deeper than we thought he ever was. And that could be cool. That has a lot of possibilities. Yeah. There's a lot of shit that we find out about. Um, if you've never read, if you've never read the event, uh, original sin by Jason Aaron, we find out a lot of shit about Nick Fury in that fucking series. And that, in, in that event that we didn't know about. And I don't know. We'll see what, we'll see what fucking happens. I'm, I'm, um, I'm excited. I just, I think like, I, I think we're all a, a little bit more excited for like the She-Hulk series and like the Moon Knight series and Ms. Marvel. It's because those are characters that we haven't seen yet and we want to know what they're up to and what they're doing and how they're going to introduce those characters. I think it's going to be a lot harder to sell audiences on somebody that we've like been following. They got to do something fucking outrageous with Nick Fury, right? I'm right there with you. Like personally, I've never read a Moon Knight comic. I only know Moon Knight as that really cool action figure that I've seen on the shelf. And I would be way more interested in seeing that show versus something that, I mean, Nick Fury's cool and all, but we're familiar with Nick Fury to a degree. Yeah, they got to do something outrageous for Nick Fury. I want to see, I want to see, when it comes down to it, I want to see, I want to see like, Nick Fury doing something and we're just like oh my god I didn't know that he he had the ability to do this that he was doing this it's just one of these secrets he's a very secretive character and I want to see him doing something very fucking crazy in this that we never would have guessed I want this to be a completely new and different kind of idea with Nick Fury than just just something ordinary. I want them to really think outside of the box. And I, you know, I don't think you get Samuel Jackson just to do anything with the character. I think he's got to be on board with it too. So hopefully it's awesome. Especially since you said this is his first like regular TV appearance. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be something special. Yeah. DC news. Um, this news comes from deadline. We got HBO max. They've ordered a peacemaker series. It's a TV spinoff of James Gunn's upcoming suicide squad movie starring John Cena. The streamer has handed peacemaker an eight episode straight to series order for its first season with the suicide squad director, writing all episodes and directing a number of them. The show will explore the origins of the character that Cena plays in the 2021 movie. It marks the latest major DC Comics original on HBO Max and comes after the service revealed it was making a spinoff of Matt Reeves' upcoming film, uh, The Batman. Uh, DC Universe originals such as Doom Patrol, Harley Quinn, Titan, Swamp Thing, Stargirl, and Young Justice also recently moved to the digital service. Uh, the character, which was created by Joe Gill and Pat Boyette, and first appeared in the Fight and Five series, originally owned by Charlton Comics, is a man who believes in peace at any cost, no matter how many people he has to kill to get it. The first incarnation of Peacemaker is Christopher Smith, a pacifist, diplomat, and son of a Nazi death camp com- uh, commandant who founded the Pax Institute who fights dictators and warlords. The TV series will extend the world that Gunn is creating for the feature film 
which is scheduled to be released in theaters by Warner Brothers on August 6, 2021. James Gunn said, Peacemaker is an opportunity to delve into current world issues through the lens of superhero, supervillain, and the world's biggest douchebag. I'm excited to expand the Suicide Squad and bring this character from the DC film universe to the full breadth of a series. And of course, to be able to work again with John, Peter, and my friends at Warner Brothers is the icing on the cake. John Cena added, I have said before that it has been a tremendous honor and an incredible opportunity to be a part of the Suicide Squad and work with James on what is going to be a fantastic movie. I am unbelievably excited to have the chance to team up with him again for Peacemaker. We can't wait for fans to see this. Peacemaker series on HBO Max, I mean, is this a prequel or a sequel to the movie? Are are we going to see, like, the prequel to like didn't they say it was an origin for the character is it I think, they, I think you read that in the maybe, copy yeah. I might be yeah I'm pretty sure I heard that it was definitely a, a prequel okay yeah I think I remember saying that too eight episodes straight to Suicide Squad uh, the show will explore the origins of the character that John Cena plays. Yeah, so this is going to be a prequel. This has got to yeah, go ahead. It, for me, it's kind of hard to pin anything on it because I'm not familiar with the character at all. Um, you know what I've seen. I mean, have we seen like a bit of a teaser trailer? Oh, we from, saw, we just saw kind of like Squad? we kind of saw footage and a sizzle reel of like what they had already filmed. Yeah, so so I mean, from it's, what I've seen so far, I am I'm really hyped for James Gunn's Suicide Squad movie, and but but I feel like I I can't even give any sort of opinion on this yet. I mean, until I have any sort of frame of reference with anything, because I I have no familiar with the character. Um, you know, I mean, I've seen John Cena act in a couple of things, but not not enough to like really have an opinion of him as an actor. Ah. Uh. I, yeah, it's weird because it's like, how, it's, it sounds like it's a companion piece to the Suicide Squad movie about a character that's willing to, uh, the ultimate goal is like peace. He's the peacemaker, but he's gonna do, he's, in order to get peace, he's gonna kill people at any cost. So he's doing like really evil shit in order to get peace. It's not like Captain America. It's, it's, <laughs> It sounds like DC's answer to the Punisher almost. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Like, are we following? Are, like, is this the character that we're following throughout the entire series? Like, are we going to be rooting for Peacemaker? <laughs> you know? It just seems a weirdly timed announcement. It's like may, maybe announced that shit after the show's been or the movies come out and the character was like well received by fans enough to like want to watch a series. They've but. already announced the Batman fucking Gotham PD series and the Batman hasn't even come out yet. Yeah, but I mean, if there's anything that Warner Brothers has shown us over the years is that they make weird decisions where superhero properties are concerned. So I guess wait and see. We'll see. I don't know. Have you got, I, I don't know. It's, it's James Gunn though. He's involved. He's, I guess he's written it and 
you know, he's going to direct some of these episodes. I'm going to trust that James Gunn's going to give us a great fucking series. And I think I like John Cena. I think John Cena is really fucking good. I loved him in cock blockers. I thought he was fantastic in that fucking movie. One of the best parts. I think he has really good comedic timing. I liked him in train wreck. I thought he was fucking fantastic in that. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I trust James Gunn has something really good for us here. So, yeah, the fact that he's writing it, that's, that's really hopeful. I, here, I, I have been on DCEU League subreddit, um, pretty much every day since DC fandom and probably even before that. I'm always looking for like legit DC leaks. Um, the Suicide Squad movie, from what I have heard, has been test screened. But, on the flip side, as opposed to when Wonder Woman 1984 was test screened twice, I haven't heard any major leaks come out of it. And Wonder Woman 1984, tons of leaks came out about, uh, came out after it was test screened. <laughs> tons of leaks. Like pretty much the whole movie is out there if you want to read it. And I've sent, I've sent, um, breakdowns of the entire movie to some of our listeners that, that wanted to read it. That was post on, I think it was posted on 4chan and on Reddit, but there are really very few rumors that have come out about the suicide squad. And I've heard that it has had, it, it's had test screenings, but one of the rumors that I have heard is that, um, Taika Waititi, if you go to IMDb, they have not revealed who he's playing. And, but I've heard he's actually playing Ratcatcher 1 in the Suicide Squad movie. And if you're confused by this, it's because you might be thinking of the casting of Daniela Melchior, who is cast as Ratcatcher 2. So I think Taika Waititi is Ratcatcher 1. He probably dies early on in the movie. <laughs> but that's that's the rumor I'm hearing is that Taika Waititi is in fact be, is playing Ratcatcher One. That's all I know. I can't wait to see that movie though. Oh fuck yeah! Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, so much promise in <laughs> the cast is yeah, just everything about it has me excited. King Shark! Yeah. Oh my god! That one clip that we got a King Shark literally picking a dude up and eating his fucking head like that's <laughs> classic King Shark. I cannot fucking wait, man. And I I think like I think um, David uh, Dasmalki and his polka dot man and some of like these really weird fringe characters are going to be like fan favorites. People are going to love them. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Did you see the news from about the Snyder cut and how much additional money that they're going to have to put into this thing and that they are going to do reshoots? <laughs> no, I hadn't seen any of that. <laughs> they're going to do reshoots? Dude, listen to this shit. This comes from Dark Horizons. I think it originally came from, uh, I think it originally came maybe from, can't remember where the original report came from variety or thr's heat vision i can't remember but um it goes on to say yesterday came the report of additional photography taking place on Zack snyder's justice league 
the four one-hour episodic format cut of the Helmer's original vision for the 2017 film. The reshoots appear to be mostly just pickup shots and possibly bridging sequences to allow this uh, to allow for this change of format from a feature film, which is why it only requires a little over a week of shooting. Today, the wrap reports that early estimates of the project costing an additional thirty million are inaccurate. HBO Max boss Bob Greenblatt already said a while back that the film would exceed that announced figure, and today's story indicates it has. Apparently, the entire four-episodic run will clock in at a budget of seventy million, according to the outlet, with Henry Cavill, Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, and Ray Fisher returning for reshoots. I have I have an update on that. I'll get to here in a moment. This is turning out to be a much larger project than first thought. Update on that. Apparently, Henry Cavill is not scheduled to return for reshoots. And this news came from Collider. So instead of 30 million, it's going to be 70 million now. They are going to have to do reshoots, which there was, there was going to be no additional reshoots, no additional, excuse me, no additional photography. They were going to do reshoots. Now they are doing reshoots. And Collider talked to Henry Cavill and he's not returning for reshoots. He said no shooting, not shooting anything additional. No, it's all stuff that has already been done. Obviously, I don't know how things are going to evolve and change and adapt depending on now a different length of the movie and whatever may happen in post-production, whatever lessons may be learned from that, what it is uh, four years since Justice League came out. Four years worth of fan reaction. For me, I'm now just watching the party. Cavill's schedule is currently filled shooting the second season of The Witcher in the UK with pandemic protocols making traveling between the two productions incredibly difficult, if not near impossible. So Cavill's not, so it was reported that he's going to return for reshoots. He's, he's, he's come out. This came from his mouth. He talked to Collider and said, no, I'm not returning for reshoots. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i this thing just keeps snowballing man it, do, do you have any like hesitations that that maybe we will still never see this or do you think they're just going to keep marching on and it will eventually be released oh we're seeing this this is coming out in 2021 100 percent. this is happening we're seeing the snyder cut <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't know if I'd go so far as to say I'm excited to see it, but I I'm I'm morbidly curious to watch oh, and I'm see what it'll be like. I'm super excited, good or bad. I'm super excited to see this. I cannot wait. I can't wait to see Henry Cavill in the black suit and and see how they do that whole storyline. They did. I mean, anything has to be better than what they did in, in the theatrical Justice League. But I, dude, from everything I've read. He never filmed anything in the black suit. Really? I thought that that was something we were going to get. Yeah. From everything I've read, he never filmed anything in the black suit. Hold on. I might have something on my phone. I might have something in my notes about that. I'll try to find it here in a second. But... I have a feeling that Harmon, have you even watched the Justice League? I don't think you have. <laughs> Bro, I still have not watched the fucking Justice League. Also, I'm fucking six beers in right now. So. Dude, <laughs> take, this, take this as you will. Dude, I am uh, I think I am too. 
Uh, I'm excited for The Witcher, though. Like, I finally watched The Witcher this week. That What'd you think? Cool. What did you think? That was fucking dope. I'm also reading the... It's a book called The Last Wish. Yeah. Uh, it's the first... It's a bunch of, like, short stories about The Witcher. Like, in, like introducing Geralt of Rivera. And that's pretty fucking cool. Uh, I don't give two shits about the Justice League or DC in general. But I like Henry Cavill in The Witcher, so I'm excited for that. <laughs> I did find... I'm also pretty <laughs> fucked up right now, so... <laughs> Um, I did find this is on DCEU leaks and this was, um, this was something that, uh, came out. When did I fucking, when did I do this? When did I fucking put this note in there? I put this. Oh yeah. Two weeks ago. This is from 14 days ago. And it was a, it was a DCEU leak and oh my God, they removed the original post it looks like somebody from Warner Brothers asked them to remove it, but the title of it was Black Suit is Real. And then someone responded here. It's one of the top responses, and it says, they didn't make a wearable black suit. Snyder said he wasn't allowed. The only black suit is on display. It's not a costume. And then somebody said, this is strange because Fabian Wagner did comment that they had shot scenes with a black suit. I'm not sure if he meant they recolored it or whether they actually used a black suit, but he did say that. And then the original poster said, where did he say that? And somebody responded with, this is from insider.com. And it, it's a, it says Snyder said he argued with Warner Brothers to use the black suit in the original film and was told by the studio they didn't think it was a good idea. And Snyder said in this article, I thought from the beginning it was a great idea and I knew it was a, it was the correct evolution for him when he rose from the dead that he would be in the black suit. There was, this obsession with it being funny or light or something. And for some reason, the perception of the black suit made everyone feel like, Oh, that sounds like you're just trying to make the movie dark and scary. Though he relented to the studio, Snyder said he did a bunch of private experiments to make sure they could change the color of the suit later on down the road. If needed, if you take the time to go and watch the actual video of him during justice con, he says, the reason that the red and blue suit had certain highlights to it was so that he could use a filter to make it black in post-production. When he debuted the short clip of black suit soups landing to speak with Alfred, he explains the whole thing. That's interesting. That's actually really interesting that it was shot in such a way that they could just apply that filter to make it the black suit. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. That's really – I mean, you know, if they can take a mustache off him, they can put a black suit on him, right? But I guess from the same – from from inverse, there's quotes from this Fabian Wagner saying there were scenes shot. It's a cool-looking costume. Sadly, we didn't see that in either – in the final – sadly, we didn't see that either in the final cut. Also, Wagner – also, the Wagner article hints that scene with Alfred is not, of course, scene with Alfred is not Superman. Yeah, it was that scene with Alfred was supposed to be 
Green Lantern originally. I hear that we're getting Mar- uh, Martian Manhunter in this version. That's cool. The Snyder Cut. So I don't know. Fuck, man. I'm, dude, I'm, I'm confused. I don't know what to fucking believe about all this shit. And like, Reddit doesn't help because <laughs> you've got. <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot of conflicting statements. Yeah. With one person saying that he actually was shooting Cavill in the black suit and then other people saying, no, the black suit doesn't exist. Yeah. Have we seen a color photo of the black suit or his, the photos? Cause I don't know if I've, I feel like I'm remembering photos that I've seen of the black suit. I feel like I've seen one in color and I feel like I've seen like one in black and white. I just don't remember. See, I could have swore I saw a picture of like of Henry Cavill in the suit. Right. And it was something to the effect of, you know, like, can you believe we didn't get this? Yeah. You know, type post. But, you know, the Internet being the way it is. Yeah. You don't have to be a Photoshop genius to color correct a suit and change the color on it. If I remember, if I remember, I will post this fucking thread, this DCEU leaks thread of black suit is real. I will post this thread in the show notes. If you guys want to check this out, if any of our listeners would actually want to go through and read everything in this and then fucking report back to me and let me know what the fucking deal is with this fucking black suit because it's like, it's like, it's, I feel like there should be like an unsolved mysteries with fucking Robert Stack explaining like, is, <laughs> is the black suit real? Did they fucking shoot anything in the black suit? I'd bet money that there is a black suit and that they did shoot scenes in it. <laughs> this I is like fucking money. It's like the cat's butthole cut. Is there a butthole cut of cats? <laughs> oh man. Black, <laughs> black Adam news from Dark Horizons. Uh, rising actor Aldous Hodge. Um, I remember this guy. I, I first saw him in, uh, he played Voodoo on Friday Night Lights, the TV series. And then he went on to do, uh, he's done, he does, uh, City on the Hill with Kevin Bacon. It's a Showtime series. He was in The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss. He was, uh, in, uh, What Men Want, um, with Taraji B. Henson, which was a comedy that came out, I think, last year or the year before. Um, I'm trying to think everything this guy's been in. I'm a huge fan. I think he's fucking great. I love this actor. Um, he's in final negotiations for the role of, uh, DC Comics character Hawkman in the upcoming Dwayne Johnson led Black Adam film at New Line. So, uh, it looks like the Illuminati is wrong. It's not fucking, uh, what's his name? Skarsgård from, uh, True Blood. It's not that guy. And I've heard rumors that it was going to be Army Hammer and I was super excited. That they were going to get, I was like, oh my God, Army Hammer is Hawkman. That's fucking perfect. Um, but it looks like, um, from everything I'm reading, even after this article came out, um, The Rock on his Instagram confirmed that Aldous Hodge is going to be playing, um, Hawkman. And then Aldous Hodge himself on Instagram after The Rock posted that, that he would be joined by Aldous Hodge as Hawkman. Uh, Aldous Hodge says it, he, he quoted, he's, he said something like, uh, looks like the cat's out of the bag. The rock let everybody know I'll, I'll be playing Hawkman. So he's going to be joining, joining, uh, Noah Centennial, uh, who's going to be playing Adam Smasher and, um, Black Adam 
is going to be um, featuring Hawkman and the uh, Justice Society of America. And um, I don't know. I think um, Aldous Hodge playing Hawkman. I fucking love this actor. I think uh, I think they I think they got a great fucking guy to play Hawkman. It's fantastic casting for that character. Um, and that was one of those, like, if you look at the, the origin of Hawkman that, you know, they, they came from the ancient Egyptian empire and everything. I never understood, you know, why you would have a, a Caucasian male in that role. And so having Aldous <laughs> Hodge play it yeah. is Hawkman. My first thought when I saw that was, Oh, that makes absolute sense. This is going to be fantastic. Yeah. Who are they going to get for Hawk Girl? This is going to be so cool. Um, and, and Black Adam is one of those movies where the more details that come out about it, the more skepticism like melts away from me and the more excited I've been getting about this and, and hearing this casting a Hawkman and just knowing that Hawkman even is going to be in it. Like, yeah, this is, this is exciting news. You know who I want for Hawk, uh, Hawk Girl? Is, um, what's, uh, Yatiti Badaki from American Gods. She plays Bill Oh Quist. my God. I was going to say the same one who plays Bill Quist. Yes. Yeah. 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 She, she would make an amazing hot girl in her and Aldous Hodge together playing those two roles. It would be perfect. I, you know, I fell in love with her on that series, but I also loved her. I went to the American Gods panel at C2E2 a couple years ago and she was there. Oh, I didn't know she was on the panel. She was on the panel with, uh, uh, Ricky Whittle, um, who plays Shadow Moon. Uh, let me tell you one thing about Ricky Whittle. <laughs> he in real life at this panel was one of the funniest guys I've ever heard in my entire life. So excited to be there. High energy and super hilarious. Very funny. Very funny. I like when you watch him on the show, he's just so like, you know, kind of, uh, serious and stoic and not, not funny at all. Oh my God. No. In, in <laughs> Dude, in real life, Ricky Whittle is like one of the most animated and funny guys I've ever heard in my fucking life. Like it just has a presence about him. And like, you could tell like everybody that like hangs out with this guy fucking loves working with him. Like Yatiti Badaki, she like loves this guy. She's laughing at everything he's saying. Like, I guarantee they had a great time on set with Ricky Whittle. He's so fucking funny. So fucking funny. I told him, I told him during that panel, I, I said, uh, I want you, I, when they make this fucking Spawn movie, you need to be fucking, you need to be Spawn. And he was like, oh my God, I want you to be my, he said, he told me, he was like, I want you to be my agent. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> oh man. But anyway, Yatidi Badaki from fucking, uh, American Gods would be the perfect fucking hot girl to uh, fucking Aldous Hodge's Hawkman. That would that would be amazing casting. Yeah. What the fuck happened to that show, man? It dropped off, didn't it? You know, that first season was so incredible. And then when the second season dropped, I just didn't because it was a stars show. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't happen to have stars when that next season came out. But then I never heard a tremendous buzz about the second season the way that there was around the first one. So I've still never even watched the second season. Dude, they've lost showrunner after showrunner for that show. They lost the original showrunner. Right. Yeah. they And then the showrunner was really good friends 
with, um, that had worked before with some of the actors and other projects. And when that showrunner left, they lost, um, who, who, oh, who played Wisteria, uh, the Easter God. Um, I can't, oh, remember. Yeah, I can't think of her name, but I'm picturing Chris, her face. Kristen Chenoweth. She left. She was done. She left. She was done. And so, yeah, that, I mean, there were people that were just leaving that show and it just, I mean, oh God. Oh my God. That first fucking season, dude. So good. Very good. Dane Cook was good in that. <laughs> and, um, uh, who's the guy who played the leprechaun? Oh, that's a fucking, uh, what's his name's brother? Um, the fucking, uh, the Ray Donovan guy. Yeah. Pablo Schreiber. It's a fucking. Pablo Schreiber. He was fucking incredible in that first season. Mad Sweeney. Such a compelling character. So good as Mad Sweeney. Yeah. Yeah. Huge character development. And too, as that first season goes on, I mean, what an onion of a character. Oh, they had a big controversy with Orlando Jones going into the third season. And I think he left. Yeah, because he was kind of like the the narrator guy, right? He uh, Orlando Jones played Mister Mister Nancy. Yeah, that's right. He was one of the one of the old gods. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> I love how every episode in that first season started out with some horrible, horrific story. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! And that show that was another show that was just fucked up, and it did not shy away from stuff. It didn't shy away from anything. And oh my God, give me anything with Ian McShane. Yeah, Ian McShane was was so good in that. Um, Betty Gilpin was amazing. Oh in God, she yes, it. it was so good. I love Betty Gilpin. The, the, the fact that. The two of the main characters, or, you know, two of the characters end up dead, and the one girl, it was in a car accident, and she was giving the guy roadhead when it happened, and so when the paramedics <laughs> find their dead bodies, she has a severed penis in her mouth still. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> if it was Chris Evans' dick, I don't even think the accident, <laughs> the accident wouldn't have fucking killed her. It would have been... <laughs> It would have been his penis. <laughs> <laughs> Who snorted? Oh, that was 100% me. Oh, I love it. Number seven, dude. Oh, I'm man. Snorting like fucking crazy. <laughs> that's six. <laughs> hey, listeners, that's six beers in for Harmon. <laughs> I don't think I've ever drank on an episode before. So <laughs> This is incredible. <laughs> fucking Johnny Lawrence special chorus banquet beer endorsed by Sam motherfucking Elliot. Oh, God. Coolest dude ever. Sam Elliot. Oh, my. What do you think he smells like? Leather. Like, probably Mustache leather. Wax. Leather. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of fucking motor oil. I, I'm going. Dude, I'm going with. Are you going with. Zero? Are you going with Pennzoil or Valvoline? Oh, it's all about that mobile one, son. <laughs> oh, shit. That's what you need. Oh, shit. <laughs> Oh shit. Well, who's your favorite? What's your, who's your favorite Sam Elliott? Sam Elliott, did you know, I, t- I said this on a previous episode, he's taken over Adam West, uh, as the voice. Yeah, yeah, I'm the family guy. Family guy. He's gonna be the new mayor. Really? Yeah, he's gonna be the new mayor. Adam West. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I think they changed the name of the James Woods High School in Family Guy to now be the Adam West High School. That's oh, a nice. neat tribute. Yeah, it's fucking cool, man. Oh God! What Did a, you ever get to meet Adam West? No, 
I, I was, did at Rhode Island Comic Con in like uh, 2014. Him and Burt Ward. They had was cool awesome. as at at fucking. I went to I went to Wizard World one year, and they had Burt Ward, Adam West, and um, oh Catwoman. What was her name? Oh my god. Uh, Yvonne. What's her name? Oh, fuck. Well, there were two Catwomen, right? That's right. It was Julie Newmar. Julie Newmar. They had Julie, Julie Newmar. Newmar. They had all three of them there, dude. And you could get photo ops with all three. And I fucking, I just didn't pull the trigger that year. And it's like, I always think to myself, oh, the next year, the next year. And I did that at C2E2 with the artist of, uh, Preacher. I brought my fucking, I brought my, I brought my, you know, the first Preacher trade. And I was going to have the artist sign it, but I didn't get around to it that year. I was like, oh, he'll come back. I'll get him next year. And then by the next year, he passed away. Oh, no. That's a bummer. Always fucking, if you're going to fucking get a photo with somebody or a, uh, an autograph or something, do it that year. Don't wait, man. You don't know. You just don't fucking know. It's yeah. true. I think the uh, the coolest artist I ever met was Stan Sakai. Who does uh, Yusagi Ojimbo? Yusagi Ojimbo, fuck yeah. Oh, hell He's yeah. He's the fucking coolest dude ever. Dude, I sent you that fucking... Did I sent you... Did you get that article that they're going to do a Netflix series oh, for Yusagi so Ojimbo? so much potential with that. Just so much potential. Yeah. He's such a deep character. Oh, totally. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, I was going to say... I'm kind of fucked up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I want to do? You know what I want? Oh my God. I keep thinking to myself, if there's not going to, I think C2E2 is going to get canceled next year. I really do. I'd put money on it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see it happening. What are we going to do, Joe? We got to do something, man. We got to do something, man. I'm, I'm thinking about like, what does PCL do like a PCL zoom con? That's what I was thinking. We'd do something like that where we can have some sort of digital get together I'm thinking, I'm thinking PCL ZoomCon. I'm thinking, uh, sometime in February. If we find out, if we find out that C2E2's been canceled, we'll do like a, uh, I'll take the weekend off from the fucking show and we'll do a PCL ZoomCon. And I'll fucking have fun as hell. And anybody's invited. If you're a listener of PCL, everybody's invited. We can all just get on and fucking hang out. And I'm talking like, I'm talking like a three night event, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That would be really cool. Because if you've Gotta, ever been scared about fucking going to C2E2 and like, oh, I'm going to go by myself and I don't know anybody, you can fucking jump on PCL ZoomCon. We can all just fucking hang out and then you won't be scared anymore because it's like, dude, it's like, it's like fucking, I'm telling you, like at C2E2, it's like fucking Olive Garden. We're all family. It's fucked up, right? It's fucking great. <laughs> it's fucking, yeah. we're, we're all eating breadsticks and fucking uh, the tour of Italy and that fucking uh, unlimited breadsticks and the fucking the salads and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I saw Brian in person at C2E2, he had on this leather jacket, and I'm like, man, that is one cool motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, my leather jacket with the hood? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got to meet Dan West at C2E2. Yeah. He and I took a piss in the bathroom together, and there's some dude taking a shit with the, the door just wide open. Like, if you've never been to C2E2, it is a bonding experience. It is. It really is. Oh my god, dude, you've been. I'll tell you one thing, dude. You've been you've been missed, and you've been mentioned the last two years. 
Definitely. You've been I, missed. The next time C2E2 happens, I will be there. You better 100%. fucking be there. We fuck, I fucking love you. I fucking love you. And like, I you, love you guys as well. Yeah. Everybody. You're all fucking cool. I mean, I'm telling you, like, it's, it's one thing. I think like, that's the thing. I think like, um, meeting people, like talking to people on the internet is cool and all, you know, and fucking like talking through Facebook messengers. It's, it's whatever, but actually meeting somebody, talking to them face to face, it just like puts a whole new spin on it. And it like, it, 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 like I can honestly say, like, I don't feel embarrassed to say like, Oh, these are my friends. Like you don't have to say like, Oh, it's my friend from the internet. Like I've met you guys. I fucking drink with you guys. I fucking hang out with you guys. And now it's like, I can legit say like, yeah, yeah, my friend Jacob Harmon, you know, my friend Joe Stark, you know, I fucking love it. I fucking, man, it's just, I mean, I think that that's the most valuable thing that I've got out of doing this podcast is like all the friends that I've met from doing this fucking shit. It's fucking incredible. 100% agree. Like seeing some of the cool shit at C2E2 is fun, but the last year that I went, I went to hang out with people. I didn't give a shit about the convention or the guest. I went to just hang out and get shit face drunk with people. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. It, the, the, this whole thing is taking on a life of its own. Like when me and Jake just started this fucking shit, it was just to talk about like our passions and like what we loved. And then our listeners became friends with each other. It wasn't even about me and Jake after a while, dude. It was just all about our listeners like bonding with one another. It was, it's crazy. And I fucking love that. One of my oh, favorite so memories awesome. from C2E2, I think it was the second year that we had like the big meetup was there was this kid who wanted a picture with all of us because we were all in cosplays and he was dressed as Wolverine and it got uploaded to Facebook and someone tagged this like four year old kid as Finn Dietzgreet and I will, <laughs> I will always laugh and just think about this little four year old kid. Fucking I remember that. That shit was hilarious. <laughs> Who did? Was that Johannes that did that shit? I think so. I'm almost positive it is. I bet you it was Johannes. Oh my god. I fucking love Johannes. He's I cool do too, dude. dude. I got. We gotta have, dude. I gotta have Johannes on another episode. I loved having him nice. on 300. Can you imagine, dude? I know, dude. I tried to get him on Startcast a bunch of times. Oh, really? And I'm like, it's like you have to. He's like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, no, you can't. Like, dude, it doesn't even have to be for three hours or something. Just, oh yeah, yeah. Dude, Johannes is so fantastic. He's I such was, a, I was pissed he's off. Just a good person. He's though. a great he's person. One of those people. I was so pissed off because. Um, when bumpers was a thing, there was like this little app that you could record podcasts on like this little app and upload them to bumpers. Well, we used to do bumpers, but fucking, uh, Benjamin Thomas, super fans, Benjamin Thomas and Johannes used to fucking get on bumpers and do a PCL after show. They did like two episodes and now, dude, I fucking loved that shit. I loved listening. Like they would, like we would do an episode. And then they would do like a Chris Hardwick after show talking about our show. <laughs> That's fucking rad. Dude, I fucking love that. Like, it, it, that cool. is not like the highest compliment ever. And they did like two episodes and I was like, give me more of that shit. I will mainline that shit. Give me more of that shit. I loved yeah, it. How does that not exist on the Leftover Army podcast? Give yet? me, yes, bring that, bring <laughs> that shit back. I'm talking to you, Benjamin Thomas and Johannes. Give me that shit back, man. I want that shit. I want the leftover army after show. That shit was fucking great. I fucking loved it. 
I think our listeners have just like, I think most of them just shut this shit off, right? They're done. <laughs> They're done. They're in for a fucking treat this episode, that's for sure. Harmon's getting fucked up over here. Aldous Hodge playing Hawk, man. I'm down for it, man. Fuck yes. I didn't even know who the fuck Aldous Hodge was, but I looked him up. He, I think if he bulks up a little bit, he'll be a fucking great hawk. Dude, I don't even know if the dude needs to bulk up a little bit. He is a fucking, he is, he's pretty big as it is, man. I'm, maybe I've seen old photos or something, but like he could definitely pull that role off. I mean, he, yeah, he played voodoo on Friday Night Lights and he was super young in that. He was in, oh, he was in the Brian Banks movie where he played that football player. That's a great fucking movie. I saw that, I think last year or the year before. That was fantastic. Um, last thing I got is Star Wars news and Disney Plus will be releasing the second season of The Mandalorian next month, but you can already bet early work is underway on the third season. This week, speaking with people, actor Giancarlo Esposito suggests they've planned far enough ahead that we'll see what we'll see this year will pale compared to some of the stuff coming not just in a third season, but a potential fourth season. The actor who portrays Moff Gideon in the series also seems to indicate his character, or at least his legacy, should he meet a demise this year, will play a part in the action beyond the upcoming season. Quote, we're living in a universe that is huge and there's so much to explore. So I think this show is going to lay the groundwork for the depth and breadth that's going to come in season three and season four, where you're really going to start to get answers. Uh, and that was his quote. One of the most criticized aspects of Disney's recent trilogy of films has been the lack of an overall plan for the films. Abram, uh, Abrams and Johnson essentially making things up as they went along. That does not sound like the case here. So that look, they're already guys Mandalorian season three and four. Holy fuck. I don't know about you guys, but like I was thinking to myself earlier today about the star Wars movies and how I really don't, I really don't care. I, I don't, even the Taika Waititi movie, I don't know if I care about that or the Ryan Johnson's movies, if they're still going to happen. I'm just all about the Mandalorian at this point. Like even the Obi-Wan Kenobi series has a lot to prove to me and the Cassian Andor series has a lot to prove to me. I am just all about the Mandalorian. Guys, I am so fucking close. Have you seen the sideshow collectible for the man Mandalorian? Yes, where they have it so that the eggs just like floating next to him. Joe. Is that the one you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, yes. dude. <laughs> dude, dude, dude. The sculpt on that is so fucking beautiful. Joe, I am so close to pulling the trigger on it. And, and doing the flex pay, cause I'm like, oh, it's only 70 bucks a month if I do the flex pay. If I do the flex pay, it's only 70 bucks a month and it'll be mine. I will have it. It'll be mine. <laughs> and it's like, I only have two payments left on my start gauntlet. And it's like, this'll start, I'll start, I'll start my flex pay for the Mandalorian in February. Yeah, it, oh. it, you know, I mean, really. You know, you could use your same reasoning even, not to be the enabler <laughs> here, but you could use your same reasoning to get this. I mean, is, say what you want about the Disney Star Wars movies. The Mandalorian is the best thing Star Wars related that's come out in a very long time. Uh, and, and, to, and to have a, a really high quality collectible like that 
I mean, it's it's basically the same reason that you wanted that Stark gauntlet is the end game really meant something to you. And let's pull the trigger on this. Harmon. Harmon. <laughs> I'll live yeah. vicariously for you. You but you buy that statue, Brian. <laughs> I, dude, I, I will buy that statue. And oh, my God, I want it so fucking bad. It is gorgeous. Harmon. If you have not seen The Mandalorian, I'm going to find out here in a moment, but if you have not seen The Mandalorian, because I know you snooze on some of this shit, if you have not seen it, I will give you my access to Disney Plus, and I want you to watch it. You better text that information, because I have not seen The Mandalorian. Oh, God, that fucking hurts my heart, and you will love it. You will love it. This It, it is it is so incredible, dude. I will I will give you my info. Like the the main core, like seven through nine. I haven't even seen fucking Rise of Skywalker. Don't, I don't give a don't, shit. Don't um, do it. I have no desire. <laughs> like that's not canon in my mind because I'm, I don't know. I have the fucking movies on VHS. What the fuck do I care? But like I, the Mandalorian seems kind of cool. Dude, it's more than kind of cool. The Mandalorian is the fucking gospel. It is fucking John Favreau. And Dave Filoni have given us something so Star Wars and so amazing that, dude, the fucking, the composer is Ludwig Gornson, the Black Panther composer. That's cool. Now, see, Filoni, knowing that he's attached to it gives me hope because I fucking love the Clone Wars. Like, that was a great Star Wars show. You'll love this. You will love The Mandalorian. I'll have to watch it. Like, I don't watch a lot of new shit, but I'll give it a go. They did a really good job of nailing that older vibe that was yes. from like the original trilogy in this, Didn't, like the the way it looks, the way it feels. Do you know how? Do you know how like 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 a new like a like a new season of a show came comes out and uh, like like uh, you're like oh fuck I need to do a rewatch and uh, at first you're feeling like oh man this is going to be a slog to to rewatch this dude. I do not feel like it's going to be a slog at all to watch a rewatch of The Mandalorian. I cannot wait to wa- to do my rewatch of The Mandalorian before season right. two comes out in October. Someone I heard said that The Mandalorian makes a reference to Life Day. And I know I'm in the minority, but like <laughs> every fucking Thanksgiving, I watch the holiday special. So is, is it true that they actually make a reference to Life Day? In the first episode of The Mandalorian, a character yeah. does. Oh, yeah. fuck. Now we kind of have to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It, uh, dude, that first season was fucking – this first season of The Mandalorian was like – it's just, it's what we all needed. And thank goodness they got this fucking filmed uh, before, uh, before COVID because we're for getting sure. this is season two and I cannot wait for season two. Oh my God. Oh my God. Joe, we're, dude, was it October 30th? We're getting the first episode. I think it is October 30th. Yeah. Oh my God. Are they releasing it week to week? They did last year. I think they released the first two episodes last year. Okay. Yeah. But I think they've built up enough fucking like, um, trust now that they can just drop it week to week i would hope nice i'm down for that i missed the week to week releases so i'm i'm down for that dude john carlo esposito shows up as moff gideon in this fucking series you know i'm <laughs> you know fucking dude from breaking bad right dude he's in the boy season two joe i know when i saw him in that in that role i went oh my gosh what perfect casting <laughs> 
And Harmon, if if you were a fan of uh, Clone Wars, did you watch Rebels also? Uh, I watched the first, I think, two seasons, okay. but I didn't watch past that yet. Okay, I think that might be enough. And I think you would have, if you watched all of Clone Wars, it would have been in there also. I, I don't want to come right out and spoil anything for the yeah. Mandalorian, but just say that, that basically once you get through that last episode, you're going to see an Easter egg at the end of that last episode that makes your jaw drop. All right. I'm it's excited. You've now. never seen in live action before that you're going to be like, Oh my God. You know what all statue right. that you have, Joe, that I am 100% like envious of? Lion Cat? You motherfucker, you bet your ass. <laughs> you know what's sad is that since um, I had had those statues on display in my, in my office at work, yeah. but since I'm working from home now, um, like I was able to actually like pack up my office to where now my, my office is at home, and I don't have a, a really good place to display it. So right now Lion Cat is just in the box. <laughs> it's sad. <laughs> I have. I need, to, I need to get a shelf up just to put that that statue up. I have a lion cat plush doll uh, that was an Emerald Com- Emerald City Comic Con exclusive. Um, and if you uh, you push a button on uh, Lion Cat's necklace, Lion Cat says "lying." Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And then I have the figures too, the Skybound figures for the Will Lion Cat. Um, and, uh, uh, Hazel and, um, and then I also have, uh, Marco and Alana. I have all those figures in the boxes, but I don't have that fucking statue. Joe, that statue is amazing. They, they, they came out with two editions of that statue. They came out with the, uh, the gold one. Mm -hmm. I think they came out with a purple one too. If they have the gold one. They have the like the comic accurate one that's you know like kind of the the blue cat. and the, the blood and one. Got, and then they got that same blue one, but with blood around blood it. around the mouth. Yeah, and that was the one I wanted, but they were sold out of that one, and it was also like thirty dollars more expensive. So they knew that that one was more popular than bastards. If you want to get, uh, if you want, yeah, I just get, got the comic accurate one, not the gold one. If you want to get like, if you're a fan of like the Invincible comics or. Um, or, uh, Joe, I know you're a fan of that Die, Die, Die comic. Oh, yeah. They've got yeah, the, that is a deliciously fucked up series. They've got the, they've got the figures for those on Skybound Entertainment, the shop. If you go on, um, uh, Black Friday, they have huge sales on Skybound. And that's when I got my figures because they were offering them at like, Fucking like 40% off or some shit, man. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah I, I woke up one morning and had mail from Skyzone saying it was like a 25% off any item coupon. Nice. And I was like, well, today's the day. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. They got that. The statue's regularly 70 bucks. I love that. So 25% off was a hell of a deal. Yeah. They've got the redneck hat there. Oh God. I want, I fucking love Redneck. That what a great oh, series. I need to catch up on that comic too. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Oh my God. Did, did you ever get caught up with, with Saga? So they went on no. at, at, at issue 54. No, I haven't got caught up on Saga, but I need to. Okay. Yeah. I will do we that. We need to talk issue 54. I like, will do that off air sometimes so that we can talk spoilers on it. Yeah. I've like. <laughs> I've like heard a little bit of the spoilers just through like Facebook and shit like shit like that, but I've tried to like block it out to forget it. So yeah, yeah, I'll get caught up on it. 
So speaking of statues, I only have one. I have one bust. Brian knows what the fuck it is because it's the coolest bust ever. I have a bust of Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah. From his Slim Jim Savage release. Nice. And it is the only bust that, like, I think people should seek out because it's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's, so, it's Macho Man Randy Savage. Isn't it the same one that they used in, like, fucking convenience stores or, like, gas stations? That is exactly what it was. I had to buy $50 worth of Slim Jims so that I could get this fucking thing. And it was totally worth it. <laughs> Snap into it, man. <laughs> Check this. The only statue I have and it's all that I need. Check this shit out, dude. Um, I have, and I've posted it, I think, like in the C2E2 chat that we have on Facebook. But um, my mom gave me back like a bunch of stuff that I had in my childhood room. But um, one of the things, uh, Randy, Randy Macho Man Savage's brother, uh, Lanny Poffo, before he was the genius, was known as Leaping Lanny Poffo. And what he would do is he would like before he fought a match, he would he would uh, read a poem on a frisbee on a WWF frisbee about his opponent, and he would then he would throw out like three or four frisbees, and then he would throw out the frisbee that he had the poem on. And we went to a match in Peoria. My uncle was uh, was there with us this one time, and he threw out the final frisbee, and my uncle caught it. And it was the frisbee that he wrote the poem on, and my uncle gave it to me, and I still have it. And it was when Leaping Lanny Poffo fought Outlaw Ron Bass, and I still That's have that. fucking awesome. Yeah, dude. I'll fucking – if you're listening to this episode and you want to see that frisbee, I will take a picture of the front and back of it with the poem. And um yeah, like there's no way to fi- – there's no way for me to prove it. That it's real. So like if I ever wanted to sell it, which I never would because my uncle passed away and it's like one of those things that I will never forget that my uncle caught it and gave it to me, but I will always hold on to it. But yeah, it's fucking dope, dude. Like not many people can say that they have a leaping Lanny Poffo Frisbee with the fucking poem on it. Yeah. That is incredibly badass. Yeah. Leaping Lanny Poffo was the guest on... Rowdy Rowdy Piper's final podcast that he recorded before he passed away. That's that's heavy, man. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Uh, if you've never seen the Rowdy Rowdy Piper Rowdy Rowdy Piper episodes of It's Always Sunny on Philadelphia, you're missing out on some great fucking episodes. Oh my god, I gotta end this podcast. We're just rambling now. This is ridiculous. <laughs> As it should. Oh, oh, sorry. So you guys and the listeners will probably appreciate this. Last week I went to a yard sale, right? And I bought like 14 of 16 books in the Wheel of Time series. And this dude was a fucking nerd. Like he had all these boxed like 80s TMNT figures and He-Man figures. It was really cool. But when I was walking back to my car to put the books in the, in the trunk, his car, he was walking out to it. It had a bumper sticker that said Spaceballs the bumper sticker. <laughs> he also had an he also had an I Heart Uranus bumper sticker, and he got a fucking vanity plate that said Eagle 5. That dude was the fucking coolest dude ever. 
Spaceballs the bumper sticker. Spaceballs I really like the that. bumper sticker. <laughs> oh my god, Spaceballs! I need to do a rewatch re- of Spaceballs. It's been so long, and they uh, before COVID, Such a good movie. well before COVID hit, the, the one of the local theaters uh, in Champaign was gonna fucking play Spaceballs on the big screen, and then COVID hit, and they never were able to. It's like fuck. Oh my god, I love Spaceballs. So good. And I would yeah. love to see that movie on, like, in a theater experience, especially if they were, you know, with other people who are into that whole thing. I think it would be a really neat experience. You know what fucking pisses me off is, uh, you know, what's his name from the Police Academy Police Academy movies? The Winslow dude. Oh, what's Winslow? His... Um, Carl? Is it Carl Winslow? Carl Winslow is from Full House. That's the name of the character. Michael uh, Winslow. Uh, Michael Winslow. Michael Winslow is the actor from Spaceballs that did like all the fucking voices in Police Academy and shit like that. All the sounds and stuff like that. And if you've ever seen his stand up, he'll do like the Jimi Hendrix electric guitar. He'll sound just like it. It's fucking incredible. But I had, uh, he was going to perform at Johnny B's, um, it's a comedy, uh, it's a, uh, it was a, uh, comedy, what the fuck? I can't think right now because I'm seven beers in. <laughs> it's a, it, here, brother. it was it was a comedy club in Springfield, Illinois, and I bought I bought like six tickets, and me and all my friends were gonna go and fucking watch Michael Winslow together at uh, at Johnny B's in Springfield. I was just like, I was so fucking excited, dude, so fucking excited, and the night of. I had one of the worst cases of the flu I have ever had in my entire life, and I had to miss it. I was so fucking That's tore brutal, up. Man. Yeah, oh. I was so tore up, and Johnny B's has since went out of business. So it's, oh, it just fucking tore me up, man. I, I love Michael Winslow. Yeah, it killed me. Mm. I love talking to you motherfuckers. I love talking to you guys too. You guys are yeah. fucking cool. <laughs> this has been really, really great. Joe, am I drunk enough to pull the trigger on that Mandalorian figure? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, you are, Brian. Do it. It's just, dude, it's flex pay. It's 70 bucks a month, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, you should totally do that. <laughs> oh my god, it's just, hey, dude, dude. I, I like, I thought, like, oh, I'm just gonna get, I'm just gonna get the one fucking uh, the Stark Nano Gauntlet. Like this, dude, this thing, this fucking thing, it lights up and shit. All the stones fucking light up in the gauntlet. Yeah, that that hot toy is fantastic. Yeah, and I, I like, I've got two payments left on that bad boy, and it's like, yeah, I'm gonna get that. I'm done. It's like, when does my fandom stop? Cause now I want this Mandalorian fucking figure. It's fucking, and it's, it costs almost as twice as much, almost as twice as much. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, I, I looked at it, but I didn't click for it through to actually see how much it costs. Usually it, with hot toys, it's just depressing. It's 630 bucks. Oh, it's eight oh paint. It's like you do, I think you put like a down payment of 60 bucks on it. And then it's like after that, it's like eight payments of seventy bucks. It's ridiculous. Wow. But you know what? I don't. I don't have any kids, right? I mean, there you go. I mean, in 
<laughs> I can just sit here and give you more reasons to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a, I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have a wife that's going to be like, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why this? You should be putting this money away for your kids' college. No, I don't, you know, any chance I had any, having any children, I, I fucking, uh, I jerked off into a, a sock. My child is in a sock somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is my boy, petrified cum sock. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm real fucked up right now. This is cool. Oh man, I fucking love it. Harmon, what's going on with your podcast, dude? We are on hiatus. Uh we actually recorded and I'm sure we'll eventually release it as like a lost episode type deal. But uh I recorded a Star Wars D twenty episode, but let me let me tell you guys something. If you're trying to do a Star Wars podcast, it's really hard to find music that fits for the Star Wars universe without Disney just breathing down your neck. Uh, so so don't try it. Um, but eventually, brute force and ignorance will be back uh, once everything's kind of settled down. Uh, but in the meantime, there's well over sixty episodes of D and D goodness for everyone to listen to. Dude, I'm trying to. I'm still trying to get Dan West. Back on uh, PCL. So, uh, no, it's not like Dan West doesn't want to come back on. It's just like Dan West is now a daddy. He's it's got, true. Yeah, he's a dad. He's a father. And he's got to worry about fucking keeping that kid up. And so, you know, he's going to... I'm trying to get him back, man. I've been begging him to come back. Begging him to come back. Not, I told Dan I was going to be on PCL tonight, and yeah. he asked me to tell you hello, and he also says guard that pussy. I so. love him. I love. <laughs> I tried to. I tried to get Dan to come on tonight, and it's just it's too soon. He's not ready to come back yet. So, um, you know, but hopefully we'll have Dan. West. I, I know people love Dan West. I love Dan West, and so I want to get him back. Uh, on. Dan is a fantastic person. I'm really happy that I got to meet Dan at C2E2 the mm-hmm. second year that I went. He and Kat are both fantastic people. And yeah. I'm truly beyond fortunate to do the, the brute force and ignorance podcast with Dan. You know who you didn't get to meet last year, you son of a bitch was Nana Pratt. Fucking Nana. I know. Uh, I got to watch fucking, I got to watch two fucking animes at a panel with Nana and it was fucking incredible. <laughs> what Nana, animes were they? Uh, we watched, uh, the Tower of God. Pilot, the first episode of Tower of God, and then, uh, are you the eighth, uh, the eighth son? Are you kidding me? That was the second anime that we watched together. Tower of God is fucking incredible, by the way. It's fucking incredible. What a great anime. So good. Have you watched The Seven Deadly Sins? No, it's on Netflix and I haven't watched it. I've heard nothing but good Bro, things about it though. It's so good. It's like a fantasy, um, there's like, a giant girl who's 30 feet tall with like giant fucking titties. It's great. It's, uh, it's a must watch show. It's really fucking good. <laughs> I, I, anytime somebody says giant fucking titties on this podcast, we, I, I, I would love to just hear like a, like a crowd applause, you know, like, woohoo. 
I like it. It's a it's a really fun show though. Definitely recommended. And they just released uh more stuff for it on Netflix. So. Have you have you watched Well worth the watch. Have you watched Gleipnir? I have not. You need to watch Gleipnir, dude. Is that also on Netflix or uh, where is that streaming? Gleipnir I think is Funimation. Funimation, uh, Funimation Funimation streaming is pretty legit. That and Crunchyroll, like if you're into anime, oh. Mhm. A lot of shit. Yeah, yeah. I was, oh God, I was watching a new anime. I'm two episodes in. I can't remember the fucking name of it. Yeah, I'll find out. I'll talk about it one week. I don't know. Harmon, you snorted a couple times, dude. That was funny shit. I, I did. <laughs> and if, uh, if, if anyone in the army chooses to contact me, the best place is to find me on the Discord. I usually have a really dumbass name. Yes. Uh, what are you, Flat Earth 1990 now? Right now I'm Flat Earth 1990. <laughs> uh, formerly Anime Titties. Before that, I think I was Skate, fa- skate Fast Eat Ass 42069. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I love, I love the PCL Discord. I love the it's PCL Discord. It is such a fun group of people. It's great. It's got Joe Prime from Vintage Geeks is on there. He's fantastic. Uh, Stephanie Haynes, she won the Psycho contest last week she's on there she's fucking great if i'm leaving people out i'm i'm I'm, i apologize but everybody on the fucking discord is great this dude named snarf i don't even know who the fuck he is but he's funny Uh, i don't know who the fuck he is but he's a cool dude i like that guy oh yeah you like him because he fucking sucks your dick he fucking loves you i know i don't even know who the fuck this dude is but he's cool in my book he's like any episode that you got Harmon on is a good episode As he's sucking your dick. Let me tell you, good sir, you're a cool guy. You have a giant wiener. You're you're a good person. (laughs) I'm really fucked up right now, dude. I've had like seven years. Dude, I am. I'm seriously. I'm looking at a wasteland of bottles right now myself. (laughs) My dog is sitting here looking at me like, "What the fuck are you doing?" What kind of dog you got, Harmon? I have a Leonberger. What the fuck? Uh, what is that? I've never even heard of this breed. Oh, uh, he's coming seven months old, and he's about a hundred pounds. When he's full grown, he'll probably run like a hundred eighty. Uh, oh, everyone shit. that is alive today can be traced back to the seven that survived World War II. Uh, they're a really neat breed. Um, they've seen military service in both world wars. They're very big, very fluffy. <gasps> I'm looking very, at them right. I'm looking. I'm looking at the breed right now. Holy shit! Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I'm looking at like there's this guy, this little girl standing up next to one, and she nope. could almost ride this thing like it's that fucking never-ending story. Fucking absolutely. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? That what's that never-ending story fucking thing called? Atreyu rides dragon. It. Atreyu, the kid rides that fucking thing. What's it called? It's a the luck dragon. dragon. Falcor. Falcor. Have you ever seen the fucking? Have you ever seen the meme or the gif? Excuse me, a fucking chunk from the Goonies doing the truffle shuffle on Falcor. <laughs> No, but I need to, because this sounds fucking right down my alley. There's a fucking, there's a fucking, one of my favorite movies of all time. There's a fucking gif of fucking, of Chunk 
doing the truffle shuffle on on Falcor as he's flying, and it's fucking it's fucking amazing. <laughs> I posted a picture, uh, a fucking, um, I went to the Reface app, Harmon, you'll appreciate this, I'll send it to you, uh, since you're not on face, on social media, you didn't see it, but I posted that we're doing a new episode tonight, and uh, I, I, I the post was, uh, it was uh, Leftovers Never Say Die, recording episode 351 tonight, and I did the Reface app, and I put my face on Josh Brolin as he's using the exercise equipment in Goonies. Hell yeah. And you got mouth to his right, and I took your picture and put it on mouth. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm one of the Corys. Like, I can't go wrong with that. <laughs> and the only person that knew that and it was on Twitter, and they were like, is that Harmon? Was Neil Tholander. Neil was the <laughs> only one that fucking realized well, that it was you. Neil, I don't... Did I meet Neil? Yeah, I met Neil the second C2E2. He's a cool dude. Neil's fucking great, man. Oh, my God. I fucking love Neil. Hanging out with Neil is fucking fantastic. Was that the year you built, like, the giant fucking tower of glasses and they fell down? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah me and Rebecca built this gigantic tower of fucking <laughs> beer glasses because, like, we were all fucking drinking beers and having shots and shit. And so we started building, like, this tower of glasses and then they fucking fell and just shattered all over the place <laughs> oh. oh my god I, guys I think I, that is all we have this week I think that is it I think that is it I don't even I don't even know what to think about this episode I don't even know what I think fuck. this is a great fucking episode I'm pretty like slightly intoxicated <laughs> I think you guys might be slightly intoxicated it was a hell of a night um guys don't forget to fucking enter that contest i got a new um we got i think we got another contest starting um next week we might even have two contests starting next week i know i got like another movie coming out digital code for another movie and then um i can't say what the fucking game is but i got digital codes for a game starting in october and i think i can talk about it next week I think I can talk nice. about it next week. So, Joe, what did you send me in Facebook Messenger? You sly fuck. What did you just send me? Oh, you sent me. <laughs> he sent me the Joe Stark to send the picture of the gif of the truffle shuffle off Falcor. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> he sent it to you too, Harmon. On Facebook Messenger, that's fantastic. Guys, just Joe, where can people find you? On mute, apparently. Fuck, did I lose everybody? Yes, I was on mute. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry Christ. about that. Um, yeah, it's on hiatus right now, but eventually Startcast will be coming back with more conversation, more talking. Um and uh number one comic books also we'll be getting another episode of that out at some point i miss you guys <clears throat> i miss talking to you all also I know. it's um i mean that's just been another fucking consequence of 2020 i know is that you know everybody's schedules has been fucked and but um i can't wait till we do another one of those um definitely still been a lot of good comic books coming out I know, I need to get back into reading. Oh my god, what's the, what's that new Lex Luthor comic book coming out? 
Oh, I don't know if I've seen that one advertised yet. Oh, God. Yeah, it looks fucking good. I saw the cover for it, and I read a little bit about it. It looks really fucking good. Anyway. All right. Harmon, Joe, thank you so much. I really fucking appreciate it on a week where Jake couldn't make it. Yeah, happy to be here, man. I am so happy to be here with you guys. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> and not just because I'm shit-faced. I mean, slightly intoxicated. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Harmon said the word titties quite a few times this Fucking episode. Titty- okay, uh, I want to tell a story to all the listeners of PCL here. There was this video game called Overwatch. You can still play it, but uh, it's put out by Blizzard. This one time, my my buddy and I, we were in a group, and we were real fucking competitive. And so we get put into this match, and we were in our own private group. We get put into this group of other four people, and we join the group chat. And as soon as we join, this guy goes, what's your favorite kind of titty? And without missing a beat, I just hit the chat button. I'm like, anime titties. And we did not win that match, but we came very close, and we put up a very good fight with the power of anime titties. Anime titties. Dude, I'm looking at this Leon Burger dog. <laughs> this dog is gorgeous. What's your dog's name? His name is Blitz. Blitz. Oh, my God. A hundred pounds. The, look at, oh, my God. What a beautiful breed. I've never even seen this kind of dog. They are a really neat breed. They are gigantic teddy bears. They are big old love bugs. Wow. That's a beautiful dog. Joe, a lot of hair. Like you, you definitely have to have to commit to combing them pretty regularly. Yeah, I'm looking. At a, I'm looking at a picture of what looks like uh, what was that? What was that fucking dog from the the Taco Bell? Chihuahua. Oh, the fucking Chihuahua. I'm looking at a Chihuahua on the back of a Leo. On the burger. back of a Leo, yeah. <laughs> It's fucking great. Guys, we'll be back next week. I don't know who's going to be on next week. I have no fucking clue. I used to book guests in advance. I have no idea who I got fucking coming on for next week. I used to, dude, I used, Joe, I was on top of this shit, man. I used to fucking book guests a month in advance. And with like the movie schedules and shit, I just didn't know how to, dude, I don't even know if I got guests booked for next week. <laughs> I'm sure there's no shortage of people that would be stoked to do it on short notice anyway, though. 100% agree with Joe on that. I have nobody booked for next week. I'm going to find somebody. I'm going to find, we're going to come back. We're going to come back with guests. We're going to come back strong. (laughs) (laughs) You need to have uh, Greg Alenti and I on an episode together. Oh, God, I'll make that happen. I'll fucking make that. Oh, my God, I will make that happen. Oh, I love Greg. I was talking to Greg this week. I was talking to Greg this week on Facebook Messenger. Oh, He's a great guy. We live in the same state. I work like half an hour from his house, and we never see each other. It's y- a shame. You live in Connecticut, oh. yeah. I do, yep. Oh, Connecticut. I've never been to... Think- oh, go ahead. I was to say, I was thinking about Greg earlier this week. I had to... Um, uh, we had that big storm that, that came through here at the beginning of August, and had a tree fall on my house. Ugh. And so just recently... Yeah. And so just recently, I had to get up on the roof and replace about a dozen shingles and uh, replace a broken fascia board on the side of the house and stuff. And I was thinking about Handy Greg while I was Handy working. Greg. <laughs> while I was working Handy on it, Greg like, and Handy Jill. <laughs> I, I, sent, I sent my sister those Handy Greg videos. And she, They're so funny. <laughs> she fucking loves them. My sister thought that they were great. Oh, my God. 
All right, guys. Uh, just like all good leftovers stay in their talkie bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with episode 352. Harmon Joe, thank you. It was a pleasure as always, and may all of your roles be natural 20s. <laughs> I can't top that. It was awesome. <laughs> see ya. Anime titties. Woo. Oh, my God. Anime titties. Favorite anime titties, go. I'm kidding. That's every whole conversation we are not prepared to have right now. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. Uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said Pretty sure the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers.